back with a snap to throw it down the middle on the post pattern and the pass is going to be caught for the touchdown that is Travis Kelsey Cam Sutton trying to defend but what a catch by Kelsey because it was thrown over the wrong shoulder he still went and got it folks that was an ass whooping the Steelers defense is god awful and there is very little hope for improvement going forward uh, based on what we saw yesterday the Steelers at home have given up 87 points in their last two games and they scored 70 what two in those games or something like that what the hell is going on well, they scored more than that no they scored more than 72 it's insanity the Pittsburgh Steelers defense uh they allowed 87 in their previous two games in Heinz Field while scoring 79 not exactly sure how to fix it. I'm sure everything will be fine. It's only week two. Don't freak out. Sure, the defense can't stop anything. But who cares? The offense will get clicking just as soon as Antonio Brown and the offensive coordinators stop fighting. Nothing to worry about. A little bit later on this morning, we'll talk with Jerry Dulac, our buddy Adam Crowley from ESPN Radio 970, Tim Benz, Stan Sauer with his Power Hour analyzing what went down yesterday. Plus, Mike Pursuta was there in the locker room post game. He'll have more for you coming up. Let's take a look at the weather from Channel 11. Uh, it is 70 degrees right now at DVE. Val is out today. Shannon Prime from Channel 4 will uh, be in a little bit later on this morning. Bill still overseas on a USO tour, entertaining the troops. He is flying back from the Middle East somewhere right now and uh, will be back super late tonight. So I, th- I believe we're going to see Bill on Wednesday. Back here on the show. News for you now. Brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Several people are hurt after a camel got spooked during the Shrine Circus on Sunday. The six children and one adult were injured after the camel bucked children off its back inside PPG Paints Arena. Now, the most serious injury reported is a broken arm. See, this is why you have to have Darlene Harris go out there and test ride all the animals before the circus. People gave her flack for riding that elephant around last year, and she said she was just checking behind its ears. Always let Darlene Harris, councilwoman from the north side, ride the animals to check and make sure they won't freak out. Here's what I heard. I heard there was a kid who got his hands on a shovel somehow, and he smacked the uh, the camel with it. That's uh, not corroborated, but that was the scuttlebutt last night on social media for some reason. There was some sort of Yosemite Sam type of interaction between the kid and the camel, I guess. Whoa, camel! Whoa! The remnants of Hurricane Florence are hitting western Pennsylvania. Meteorologists are warning the storm could bring rain to our area through Tuesday afternoon. There is diminishing concern about flooding along the rivers. Residents are still advised to avoid any standing water and to be attentive to any changing weather conditions. If it does flood... Uh, or even get, like, you know, ankle deep, uh, Anderson Cooper will show up and do a report submerged in your pool just to show how much accumulation there actually has been. I don't know if you guys saw that video. He's down there in Carolina, and he just... Someone took a picture from behind. His cameraman, perfectly dry, but then 15 feet in front of him, uh, Anderson Cooper had decided to wade into a little flooded area. Really 
for no reason other than to try and create the illusion that the entire town was underwater and he basically went into a little bog. And this is why people hate the media. Well, that's one reason. I thought it was a good shot. Don't get me wrong, Anderson. I'm sure it looked fantastic. If you come up here, just hang out in the uh, on the Mon Wharf. You'll actually you'll get a nice hip level probably in no time once the rains start. Several people are safe after being rescued from a vehicle or a vehicle, as they call it here. They crashed into the Monroeville Creek Sunday night. It happened just off Old William Penn Highway as the vehicle lost control and went down an embankment. There were seven people inside at the time, with three needing to be pulled from the wreckage. No word on any injuries. In entertainment news, a drama series could be stealing the show tonight at the Primetime Emmy Awards. Game of Thrones leads the nominations for the third straight year with 22, followed by Westworld with 21 and Handmaid's Tale with 20. Saturday Night Live is in the lead for comedy with 21 nods, and their co-head writers and uh, weekend update anchors, Michael Che and Colin Jost, are going to be the co-hosts for the Emmy ceremonies tonight. Uh, Atlanta had 16 nominations, the television show on FX. Great show. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel had 14. It was an okay show. It was was right. The show will be hosted, as I said, by Che and Jost, and the Emmys take place at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles and air live on NBC. Rather, A remake of the 1987 Arnold Schwarzenegger film is this week's top movie in North America. Predator opened with an estimated $24 million in its first week in theaters in the U.S. and Canada. Coming in second was last week's top picture, The Nun. I don't even, I don't think I even heard of The Nun. What the hell's The Nun? It made $85 million bucks since it's released 10 days ago. In third place, the suspense movie, A Simple Favor which earned $16 million in its debut weekend. And rounding out this week's top five are Crazy, Rich Asians, and Peppermint. Mission Impossible fell uh, to 10th place. I got to stop watching Netflix. I don't know any of the damn movies that are coming out anymore. I don't think I watch enough commercials. Nothing sticks with me anymore. Never heard of that movie, The Nun. Who's in The Nun? Probably nobody, right? Paul McCartney, his brand new album. This is great news for Paul. Just released solo album. As you know, Paul Paul likes to do things solo. Egypt Station, it's number one on the national sales charts. The Beatles legend sold 150,000 units in its first week. Oh, man, that's awesome news for him. With Egypt Station reaching the top of the chart, it gives the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees his first number one album in 36 years. His last was 1982's Tug of War. And that spent three weeks at number one. The way they do stuff now, it's just, it's tricky. A lot of people were debuting an album. So if you bought a concert ticket as they toured and supported their album, you got the album with your concert ticket. And that was how they were helping to spur album sales. I'm not sure if Paul is doing the same thing there. Uh, One guy who probably doesn't care about any of that, Bob Dylan. He's set to launch a seven-night residency at the historic Beacon Theater in New York. That is my all-time favorite venue. The Beacon Theater is one of those places you got to get to, man. It's just magic. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, he'll kick off the run November 23rd, bring down the curtain on December 1st. Meanwhile, the U.S. leg of Dylan's never-ending tour continues October 4th in Phoenix through December 3rd in Philadelphia. Tickets for all shows are on sale now. And Ann Wilson, who we had on the show the other day, she wasn't exactly uh, the most excitable person, but very nice. She's hoping to speak with her sister Nancy soon about the possibility of reuniting in 2019. I would have got around to asking her that last week. We got cut off prematurely. 
I was a little dra- little little bummed about that. I was a drag. Uh, the siblings, Anne and Nancy, haven't performed together as Hart since a disagreement in 2016 over a backstage incident involving Anne's husband and Nancy's children. In a recent interview, Anne admitted that the two sisters have different views of how the band should proceed in the future. <laughs> Anne thinks they should play together, and Nancy doesn't, I guess. Meanwhile, Anne recently wrapped a solo tour along with Paul Rogers and Jeff Beck. We spoke with her about that. Nancy's been working with her man, Roadcase Royale. And in uh, 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 horse news here, a two-year-old filly named Kim Kardashian continues to increase its career earnings after winning yesterday's $100,000 Barrett's debutant at Los Alamitos. The horse, called Kim K, won by three lengths in her third career start, paying $8 and $3.40. What? I don't even know how that works. I'm bad at uh, horse gambling. The horse was purchased for $330,000 by its owner, Rockingham Ranch. She finished fifth in her career debut on September 2nd at Del Mar in North San Diego County. Kim K has career earnings of just over $57,000. I'm surprised they didn't get sued out of that, to be honest with you. And lastly, people on subway trains are complete animals. I'm not sure. I think when you ride the train each and every morning into work, eventually you just think it's an extension of your morning routine. A man caught on cell phone in Newark, New Jersey, was shown shaving his face while on board this New Jersey transit. The video's gone viral on social media, more than a million views. A fellow rider took the footage last Thursday night while on a northeast quarter train, then posted it to Twitter. Uh, some people are saying, wow, that's pretty impressive that he could shave. Other people call it gross. It's completely gross. He, he like lathered up and put shaving cream all over his face while the train is moving, and he's just shaving, staring right ahead at all the other passengers. And then he gets up with like the residue all over his face, and he's like yelling for someone to give him a towel. I mean, we're one step away from people just brushing their teeth. And, you know, once you're on the train, all of the morning routine should stop. New Jersey Transit says shaving and bathing while aboard trains violates its policy. Well, that's good to know. There's a policy for that. All right. Uh, on the way for you a little bit later on this morning, as promised, Adam Crowley will be in studio. Everyone eulogizing what happened to the Steelers yesterday. Jerry Dulac, part of the Pittsburgh Steeler radio network, will be in. Mike Pursuta's post-game reaction. Tim Benz will be here. Shannon Perrine will be filling in and give you a much more cogent newscast. It's Dan Savern with the Steelers Power Hour coming up at 9 o'clock. Not sure what make of what we just saw. And now it's on to week three. And Tampa Bay, who are lighting it up. Monday night action. Good Lord. An 8.30 kickoff next Monday night with all of the pregame starting at 4.30 here on your radio home of the Steelers. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Hard to make of what went on yesterday. Mike Tomlin is going to have a rough week. Keith Butler is going to have a rough week. Special teams coach Danny Smith rough week. I don't know that anybody will be able to avoid criticism this week after that loss in that manner. The defense doesn't look like they have any idea what they're doing. Two of the worst defensive performances by the Steelers defense in the last two games at Heinz Field. They fired an offensive coordinator but kept the defensive coordinator who was responsible for that. 
Tomlin's had his hands in the defense a lot more this year. It has not bore fruit. Bared fruit? It hasn't been good. There's no fruit, guys. You know, look, here's the thing. Mike Pursuta's coming in here. He's not going to make excuses. I'll tell you that. Joe Hayden being out didn't cause all of that yesterday. Didn't help. But it certainly wasn't the reason that Bud Dupree is a no-show. That the secondary blows assignments nonstop. I mean, other than the down linemen, I don't know exactly who you'd point to on the defense and said, well, they did a good job. TJ. TJ. We always have TJ. They got a safety yesterday, but it was cold comfort. Mike Tomlin. Also, why not execute an onside kick there with two minutes left? Coach Tomlin said he wanted to rely on the defense. Why? They're terrible. Michael have a full sports report when we come back, plus live reaction from the locker room post game. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, House of a Thousand. Oh, it's not Tom and Tuds anymore. Well, just a shout out to our friends at Tom and Tuds. House of a Thousand Beers in New Ken. Oh yeah, dude. Two dollar Bud Light, sixteen ounce aluminum bottles during all Steeler games. Those things stay cold forever. They're delicious. Two dollar Bud Light, sixteen ounce aluminum bottles during all Steeler games at House of a Thousand Beers in New Ken. That's your Bud Light game day. DVE Sports. You know, there seemed to be something uh, metaphoric about the camel going on a rampage at the circus yesterday, and nobody could stop the camel. Was it lined up in the slot? (laughs) (laughs) Who's supposed to cover that guy? Does anybody want to cover Travis Kelsey? Does anybody want to cover Sammy Watkins if he's in the slot? To be fair, I think they knew who they were supposed to cover. They just couldn't. They just couldn't do it. Sports this hour is brought to you by Hovis Auto and Truck Supply. The Steelers' defense had a tough day yesterday. Oh, that's putting it mildly. In yes, that forty-two to thirty-seven loss to Kansas City. But Randall, I, I submit to you, Greg. <laughs> did you not know that the Chiefs were going to score some points coming in? And is it not therefore incumbent upon the offense to outscore the Chiefs as opposed to putting your eggs in the let's hold them under thirty-five points basket? Because that wasn't happening. So they have to score 50 every game now? Well, not every game, but in a game like yesterday, you gotta you got to light it up a little better than the Steelers did. Slow and start, but you know what, Mike? They tied it by halftime. The they table was, was reset at that point. And they didn't keep up. But you can't blame those first. My point is, they recovered from the blunder of the slow start. Well, they got back to even. They never got ahead. Yeah, all right. They got back to even a couple And then times. the first drive of the second half? Yeah. They had it rammed right up their arse, and that was it. Yeah. I don't know. that To me, that game was uh, Patrick Mahomes against Ben Roethlisberger. It was uh, Sammy Watkins and Travis Hill against Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. It was Kareem Hunt against James Conner. It was Jesse James and Vance McDonald against Travis Kelsey. Mostly Jesse James. Vance the, didn't do a lot. The offensive guys won. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to defend the defense, but... I'm also not trying to suggest that you should expect these guys to give up 10 points against that team or 20 points I against don't that team think or anybody, 30 points against that team. I don't think you can blame the offense at all when you look at this game. I, I mean, unless you have just now as a team decided that, no, no, we know this. T- the defense is terrible. 
In which case, why was Mike Tomlin relying on them to stop the Chiefs at, after the two-minute mark? Why well, I, not kick an onside kick there? Yeah, I don't know if you can do that anymore with the new rules. What? I mean, I, I don't know if it's able to be executed. You still have to have – you can't load up on one side like you used to do on the onside kick. You're saying it's the, be five the, the guys chances. Five guys. Okay. You can't get a running start you know, so you can wipe out – I'll have to have that conversation with Danny Smith, but I think onside kicks have become infinitely tougher, and they weren't easy to begin with. Has anybody pulled one off? Have, have you heard of one? Uh, no, I have not. I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but kicking it deep is not the worst thing in the world. You still have to stop them if you don't get the ball back. And all they had to do at that juncture was stop a couple running plays against a running. Yeah, they knew they against were a running formation when they knew. They were going to run the ball. And in the first play, when he got ripped off nine yards? because yeah, Dan McCullers got pushed back by a double team into Vince Williams. And Dan, Why is Dan McCullers on this I, team? I was somebody tell me gonna that? Ask, I yeah. know he got the only sack yesterday, yeah. but why was he on the field? What are we doing, Mike? Yeah. Uh, struggling. 0-1-1 one one after that 42-37 loss to Kansas City. Blame who you want. There's plenty of people to blame. I'll blame who I want. You can blame the special teams if you want. I'd love to because Jordan Berry is terrible and our kicker is in a slump after signing a big contract. Big punt return allowed to help get the ball rolling in the wrong direction. Right away. Right away they let up a huge punt. Everything's a mess. They're just giving teams field position. You know, early on when I watched the Steelers just be terrible in that first half, I thought, the Browns must be awful because we are really bad. Well, they were uh, competitive again in New Orleans yesterday, if that means anything to you. I'll it's, tell you this, Kansas City's elite, and people I, haven't caught on to this yet. I told you last week, I said, watching Patrick Mahomes, it's like I felt like John Landau must have felt in 1974 when he saw Springsteen. <laughs> Remember me saying that? And he said, I've seen the future of rock and roll. I have seen the future of quarterbacks. It's that kid. He's good. Monster arm, great mobility. Touch. Uses the mobility to throw, not to run. And he comes from a professional background. His dad was a major league pitcher, so he gets it. He's not out of his element at a, at a young age. He it, he can handle all situations. That kid is phenomenal. Well, he I'll tell you what, he's accurate. And yesterday it seemed like Ben, if, if Ben has a part of his game that is suffering, it's once he's flushed out of the pocket where he used to extend plays with great success it seems to me now if the second option isn't there for him once he starts to move out of the pocket and try to extend the play throwing on the run has been trouble has been tough for him to connect from an accuracy standpoint either that or he still doesn't trust James Washington enough to put it right there he's really trying to make sure that he has as much of a lead on him as possible so it doesn't get picked he wasn't uh, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't happy with his deep ball yesterday. I think that's the last part of his game that has yet to come around. I thought he was pretty good yesterday. Well, I mean, he had 452 uh, yards passing. He was 104 passer rating. And there were a couple times when he did extend the play. You know, we were carping on hold the ball too long after the Cleveland game. He, sometimes he did that yesterday, and it worked. You know, he found that, just, that one found sideways. Jesse James late. Uh, yeah. the, the run that he scrambled to score the touchdown. He was at his creative uh, best yesterday. Well, he had all day. He could be a little more accurate, but I think that'll come. I'm not worried about Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not uh, really worried about the offense so much. Yeah. That defense is so bad that you're going to need Le'Veon Bell and then some. They're a mess, Mike. They're not good. 
What is good on that defense right now? Like, where do you have hope? The secondary, the if you watch the defense, they are yelling out and calling. Like, those guys are not sure what's going on right now. No, I think they're communicating. I think that's to make sure. I don't I don't think it was uh, a blown assignment thing yesterday. I think it was a can't cover Travis Kelsey thing yesterday. The first Kelsey touchdown where Artie Burns comes running out of nowhere, or was it with Sammy Watkins? I don't know. But it looked like completely blown coverage there. Yeah, was the linebacker supposed to drop back with him? Was that I, someone coming out of the slot? I think the bigger problem is just lack of being able to cover those guys. And again, that is an elite. Let's watch the Chiefs the rest of the year because they haven't been stopped yet. It's only two-game sample size. But San Diego's supposed to have a pretty good defense. Didn't come close to stopping them. Steelers didn't really come close to stopping them. Let's see how the Chiefs do. You've got an elite young quarterback who doesn't make mistakes and is incredibly accurate and has a strong enough arm to make any kind of throw. You have the guy who led the NFL in rushing last year in Kareem Hunt. Yeah. You have the fastest guy in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. You have a tight end in Travis Kelsey. who It's either him or Rob Gronkowski as the gold standard at that position in the league. And Kelsey's actually the better player. Gronk's just so massively big. Right that he gets away with just running down and standing there. This guy's a route runner, and he's got hands, and he's tough, and uh, Kelsey's phenomenal. Sammy Watkins was picked ahead of OBJ. He's a fourth overall pick. He's bounced around a little bit at the start of his career, but there's a lead ability there. Oh, no, he's awesome. So He had an injury that kind of kept him yeah. from uh, being able to excel early. So what do you take away? They're loaded. I know they're loaded, but the defense is bad. What the Steelers defense has to do, and we'll we'll get into the Joe Hayden stuff later and and how they deploy it, but if you remember, Cam Hayward made a statement late in training camp about the state of the NFL now and how offensive it is, and he said, your defensive mentality, I'm going to paraphrase here, it has to be, make the one play when it matters. Like he, He referenced the Super Bowl, the Brandon Graham strip sack on Tom Brady with the game on the line. You're going to give up yards. You're going to give up points. You have to make a decisive play every once in a while. And they were kind of doing that a little bit. They got the safety when they got penetration. That helped get the tip the game back in the Steelers' direction. Cam Hayward made that phenomenal play to force the fumble when it looked like it was over. That got them back in it. They needed a couple of run stops inside the two-minute warning. And then you put Andy Reid in the position, okay, do I throw it on third down or do I make them use their last timeout? And if they could have got the ball back for Roethlisberger with about a buck thirty left, maybe they win. That's how it's got. That's that's the template against the team that can do what the Chiefs do offensively. I don't know, I don't know how many of those teams there are out there, but there are more than one. As long as your kicker doesn't have the yips, yeah, yeah, you'd and, be fine with that. Uh, and with, you got to win special teams. Well, look, and missed extra point, missed field goal, just. Not looking good out there. Jordan Berry, who I'm blaming Boswell's downfall on Jordan Berry, who's his holder. Because Jordan is, it's time. It's time to say goodbye. You think? Yes. Well, he had a couple that were. really He was terrible good. at the end of last year, and he was terrible at camp. He had a couple that were really good yesterday. Not good enough. He had one good punt yesterday. That also was, you know, got a really nice bounce out of it and went out at the one. Well, yeah. It's just- you know, he gets but he, the, that's the exception, not the rule, Mike. I'm not saying he's good, but I, I, I don't think he is incapable. I think he's inconsistent. That's so, not good enough. How long do you... When your defense stinks, you can't give yeah. everybody a short field. So you just go to the Ray Guy store? Or yeah. Bunch, are there a bunch of guys yeah. out there? 
Yeah, you do. A lot of guys got cut who are waiting for the first guy to get cut. The best of those guys is there right now. You wait another week. Then the third best guy's there. Well, I'm not going to argue with you on that one, but that's down the list on the problems. Um, it's one of them. The, the, the defense was good against Cleveland, which is limited offensively, and it was uh, totally in over its head yesterday. Oh, against maybe the best offense in the NFL. Let's take a break and come back, and we'll get to more. We got a packed house coming in today to throw their hands up in the air collectively. Adam Crowley, Jerry Dulac, Tim Benz, Stan Saverin, all on the way to talk Steelers this morning. Don't forget Chalk Talk tonight on DVE from 7 to 8 featuring James Conner and Craig Wolfley from the Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson. All right, it is the DVE morning show. Mike Pursuta here with us. And we haven't uh, got to a lot of stuff that went down yesterday at Heinz Field. One of them would be Prima Donna, Treehouse owner Antonio Brown, losing his mind on the sidelines at offensive coordinator Randy Feekner. What is going on there? Presumably he thinks he's not getting the ball enough. Uh, he was the uh, most targeted. Uh, no, I, I take that back. He was targeted 17 times yesterday. Juju Smith-Schuster was targeted 19 times. Now, they hooked up with uh, Juju 13 times for a buck 21. Antonio Brown had nine catches for 67. So he doesn't like those stats, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. He was the most targeted guy in the opener, but Juju Smith-Schuster had more receiving yards. So it's two receiving game, two games into the season. Antonio Brown has yet to lead the Steelers in receiving yards in a game. And the tight end eclipsed him yesterday. Yeah. By a good, uh, by more than double. Uh, look, when I see Antonio Brown going nuts on the sidelines, I don't think much of it. I think that's him, and it doesn't bother me, and I don't read too much into it other than he's a crazy person, and we've all made this Faustian bargain with him. It is, you know, you get the bad with the good. How'd that work out at the end? Does the devil get his due at the end? <laughs> <laughs> nah. I, can't, I can't remember the end of that book. It doesn't end the way you, you'd like it to. but So, I mean, there's there's a price to pay eventually for yes. being lax to the demands of a, a normal teammate. Correct. Because you can stretch the ball out against Baltimore. The Faustian maybe. bargain ends up you get screwed on both ends eventually. At first it seems like, well, I traded this for this, and then eventually you don't get either. It's not like damn Yankees where Joe Hardy turns back into the old fat bald guy, but he still scores the run, the win, and then he gets to go back to his wife. No, this ends with Antonio Brown like... Melting down into the pit of hell for eternity. Yeah, basically. Hopefully that won't happen anytime soon. Looks like that's where it's headed. Well, we're going to need a Monday night, so let's hope he's around for that. Um, The offense, I am not worried about. Yes, they had their shortcomings yesterday. A little bit more about him. Antonio Brown. Yeah. Not only did he get in Feekner's face, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. he, He left the field early. He was, he was before walking, the game was over. Before the game was over. They cut LeGarrette Blunt for that, by the way. And then he blew off the media. And uh, if, he, if you he, recall, in OTAs, he was he had this weird, close-to-melting-down diatribe about how tough it was to be him at OTAs. And I missed whatever and, he did on Friday or Saturday because I was out of town. It, what was the exceptionalism rant uh, he went on? He started making up words again, which he does. But in the last two months, he has had to apologize 
once each month for his behavior relative to a member of the media. He's just getting over the threatening the the guy from uh, ESPN. Yeah. So what the point I'm making is he's not in a very good place. And he's always been tough to figure. He is unquestionably their best receiver ever. And they need him to be that. They need him to, to be, you know, pulling the rope with everybody else. Oh, where did that come from? Sorry, Jerry. Joe's in there. You know, Kareem Hunt led the NFL in rushing last year. Right. He hasn't had a 100-yard game yet. He hasn't had a 20-carry game yet. He has not been in their offensive coordinator's face, freaking out? Not to my knowledge. Hasn't uh, complained or uh, acted like a spoiled child. Uh, He's just kind of carried the ball when they've asked him to and tried to contribute to the team. Does any of this make you think that although offense is not the larger problem here, that the Steelers might be motivated to f- get Levy on Bell back here to somehow hope that is the elixir that fixes whatever's ailing the Steelers right now? Because there's some locker room discord. There's complete just disorganization on the field defensively. They are in a bad place, and Mike Tomlin has 14 more weeks of this. He's got to be waking up this morning thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be brutal because people are going to start calling for his job if this continues. Yeah, I think that's the least of his concerns. Um, If I'm him, I'm looking at it like this. I know what I have on my hands. I have an offense that's very good that's potentially great slash devastating. I have a defense that we have to work around. It's not going to be the 85 You say that work around. Yeah. That's like saying, you know, I have blockage in five of my uh, arteries that I need to just work around. I mean, there looks like there needs to be some major, major overhauls here, Mike. Well, not now. I mean, before the Tampa game? This is more of a... Before October? This is what you have. Is it more of a function of lack of talent or is coaching to blame here because it seems to me that their real issue to your point can't fix it now is talent evaluation they're really bad at evaluating defensive talent um you know i think they got a a black hole inside linebacker which they've had since ryan chazier got hurt i think they have uh, a cornerback in Artie burns who they hope plays like a number one who hasn't done that yet um they lost Joe Hayden. Uh, they didn't have Joe Hayden available yesterday. That uh, that was very difficult for them to overcome. And you've got uh, number one pick in Terrell Edmonds that you're hoping is going to be an impactful guy and, and, and make plays for you and help make it better. And he looks like he's got potential to do that, and that is slow to materialize so far. Things are not looking up for the Steelers right now. Yeah, that might have been a great Kansas City team that will go on this season to great lengths, heights, what have you. That offense could be as prolific as any going forward. Pat Mahomes has 10 touchdown passes in the first two weeks. They gave up, Kansas City gave up 424 yards passing to Phillip Rivers and 452 to Ben Roethlisberger, and Kansas City's 2-0. So what you're saying is you can have a crappy defense and and still still win. win. All right, Bob Labriola with the Steelers Daily Report. A whole lot more to come this morning on your home of the Steelers. It doesn't matter for Lev. He can't do any damage control in the eyes of Steelers fans. His, if he acted like Heath Miller and then this was going down, he might have 
a leg to stand on with the fans. But the fact that he's been rapping about how much money he wants, Heath's a bad example because there's... Yeah, that's as soon as you said that the first thing that went in my mind is a Heath Miller rap album, and I'm just <laughs> having a hard time picturing that right now. He's it's, hanging out with Wiz. The most milk it's, toast album ever. It's just silent with him thanking people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the humblest rapper ever to do it. Just want to thank my mom and dad. Yo, I couldn't be this great without a lot of people around me supporting me. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. 50 set again, second and 13, wide side to Mahomes' right. Chiefs up by seven, trying to get more. Here's the shotgun snap. He's back. Throws it down the field. There's a man open, a marker in the secondary, and that's a touchdown to Tyreek Hill. But why is the marker down? Doesn't matter, Bill. It counted. Six touchdown passes. From Mahomes yesterday as Kansas City rolls over the Steelers in a high-scoring affair in which uh, the Steelers were down 21 points in the first quarter and then tied it at halftime. It was a super exciting game to watch from that standpoint early on. I thought, well, if this is what we're going to do all year, this will be fun to watch. Uh, but it didn't end up being that much fun yesterday. At what point do you get the sick feeling in your stomach during the game yesterday? At what point did that happen? The second that Jordan Berry shanked the first punt <laughs> after I thought he should have been cut in preseason and uh, we gave them ridiculous uh, field position to start the game. Shannon Prime from Channel 4 is the voice you hear here this morning who's filling in for Valerie, who uh, has the day off. Always good to see you. Good morning. Thank Th- you. It's always nice to see you, too. I know. You, you know, you had a long period there where your kids were so young, it was tough for you to come back and visit us. You know, I try to come in once a year. You are so nice that you always ask me to come, and I always no, it's, really want to come, it, it, and it's great. I So I do this once a year. It's like the frequency that you change your sheets in college. Sure. Right. <laughs> That's whether basically you, you need it or not. It's a great uh, analogy here. for what this is. This is like changing your like college a, a, sheets. Right. I still have a five-year-old too. So do you I have really? Teenagers oh and gosh. I have an almost six-year-old. So I love to come here, but people need breakfast <laughs> and whatnot. People need mom in the morning, right? And then you have to get the team of others to take over and make sure everybody gets a granola bar or something. A household without mom in the morning is like a secondary without Joe Hayden. It kind of is. It falls apart. It's just a mess. It's a nightmare. Our buddy Adam Crowley from uh, EM 970 ESPN Radio is uh, also joining us this morning as we're going to talk a lot about what happened yesterday. Adam, we're going to get to the bottom of what happened at Heinz Field yesterday. Right to the bottom. Should I just not talk for the first quarter of the interview and then Come rapidly over. try to fit everything in the last three quarters of the interview? Yes, and then when it doesn't go well, <laughs> scream at me and blame it on me. Randy Feekner catching hell from Antonio Brown on the sidelines yesterday. Not a good not a good day for the series. Also, Bud Dupree uh, going at fans on social media. Yeah, he said he was... In bed with a fan's girlfriend? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. Uh, I would not want to be that fan. Yeah, the fan. If that is the case. No. Well, the good news is he'd probably run past her into the living room. So not probably wouldn't. Not like, he's known for over-pursuit. Why don't we go right to the uh, Weather Center? Channel 11 telling us what's going on. Brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. 69 degrees right now. News brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. Shannon Prime from Channel 4 filling in for Val with your news update this morning on DVE. Take it away, Shannon. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me here. We got to tell you about this, the big story that we saw break yesterday. Dantan, six children, one adult at an area hospital. 
all sent there with various injuries after a camel started bucking at the Shrine Circus. So this was inside the PPG Paints Arena. We've all gone to the circus over the years. We, if You have to see the video. I mean, Camel Rampage. Watch. Camel Rampage. We have video of what happened with, uh, there was uh, the trainer uh, that was was miked as he was trying to corral the, the, the camel yesterday. Whoa, camel! Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, camel! Whoa! Yeah, it, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. And it is scary that a camel went crazy yesterday. It ran amok, didn't it? I it, mean, like, I you, mean, it's a legitimate amok run. There aren't a lot of circumstances where you can say that something ran amok, but amok <laughs> is what it ran. Right. Indeed. For sure. There's not many camels running amok in Pittsburgh. There was, there was a really long um, press release from the Pittsburgh police uh, uh, about what happened. And so they're telling us it's not known why that camel went crazy, but there were a lot of social media. People were there, right? So right. you've got a thousand, you know, amateur journalists saying, we, we know what happened. So somebody said, uh, somebody threw something, a kid threw something at the camel and it went crazy. Someone said, yeah, he hit a, sh- a kid took a shovel and smacked at the old uh, Yosemite Sam on the camel. Did a little bit of Yosemite Sam, which is not nice and bad things happen. And, you know, that. so everybody is freaking out about this now because you've got the people on one side who firmly PETA. believe, right? Well, But there's PETA, but then that's way on one side of the continuum, but there's a lot of people on that side uh, just uh, I, right. I I don't think there should be sure. circus animals personally like I I I don't trust that those animals are being cared for correctly uh, I don't think that's the best environment for them zoos might be a different matter me and me and Sally always fight about zoos sure but uh, when you see stuff like this it's hard not to be on the side of the people sure. who say how hey, maybe we shouldn't uh, you know have a, a a traveling petting zoo. Well, basically, in the the culture of animals as entertainment has totally changed, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, SeaWorld is basically not a thing, anymore, right? Right. Right. So, I mean, this is that you've got folks who it's it's just so different than it was when we were little kids. Yes. And this is just an example. And the Shrine Circus, I feel the Shrine Circus is having a bad breakup with the City of Pittsburgh too, because yeah. they've got the this is the first time I think they were here in town since the whole animal electric prodding. thing. Thing. Oh yeah, the shrine guy with the fez telling the city council that they hate children and remember that De- uh, when Darlene Harris rode right. the uh, the elephant. When Darlene Harris rode the elephant, y- Councilwoman Harris rode right. the elephant. Right? Maybe she should have been there to corral the camel. This is I mean, what happens when you cut experience. Darlene Harris from the uh, circus. Uh, uh, the inspection that she was performing. I want to let our listeners know that Darlene Harris, Councilwoman Harris from the city of Pittsburgh, told everybody that she was riding that elephant to make sure that elephant was okay. Yes, she was checking behind his ears. Yes. That's what she said. It's like an inspector. Right. She was inspecting the the elephant, but she didn't get to inspect the camel yesterday, and that may have led to the uh, amok run by the camel. Uh, I hope moving forward they uh, take more care and don't leave any shovels around for someone said it was an unattended kid. I'm like, well, all right. This is- I was not there. P.S. <laughs> yeah, it was not your kid. kid this time. <laughs> all right. Netflix. You may not watch Netflix every day, but those 10 hour binge watching sessions really add up. A new study found if you add up all the time you spend watching Netflix, it averages out to one hour and 11 minutes per day. So that's 434 hours a year, 18 entire days. 
it might not sound too unreasonable, except that it's approximately twice as much time as we spend with our family and four times more than we spend exercising. I feel like I'm shaming everybody. Uh, I don't know. Just watch Channel 4. Yeah. <laughs> can you? Are you guys on Netflix? Just watch Channel 4. <laughs> you can watch Channel 4 without cable. When I turn you on Channel 4. the cable. Just watch Channel 4. I don't get the same excitement, though, as seeing the Netflix logo. I Like, I think that my oh. brain has now been trained that when I see the Netflix logo come on, I get a little serotonin hit, and it makes me think, a oh, good stuff's coming. Yeah. And now I'm on Ozark, and I'm binging the hell out of that. Do you like that? Because I don't know if I can watch Jason Bateman be in that dark place. He's still Jason Bateman. Okay. Yeah, I, you can definitely watch that. But I thought it was about fracking. <laughs> I don't know why. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to watch a documentary. show. And Randy's like, I'm going to get educated about fracking. I'm, I didn't want to. That's just it. And Val kept going, you got to watch Ozark. I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't sound like my bag. Because I thought like international intrigue in the world of fracking. I don't, I don't know why Bateman. I thought that was what it was about. I mean, you might be onto something. I, they make. I haven't seen season two. Maybe they frack away. But we do an international intrigue base in Washington County on fracking. Right. Some spy versus fracking. Sure. Something going on there. I mean, make that. I thought it was like the Matt Damon, John Krasinski movie, something along those lines, and it just didn't interest me. And then I watched the first episode. I'm like, oh wait, this is like Narcos. I'm okay with this. That's a great. Th- this is cool. Why is it that I can watch all that terrible stuff happen to people, but if I were to saw that camel rampaging yesterday, I my heart would have gone out to it. Oh, exactly. I have complete compassion for animals and none for humans. That makes me a psychopath, right? Isn't that aren't I basically Tony Soprano at that point? I could watch a video of a guy getting hit by a car and go, "Ha ha, dummy, you shouldn't have walked across the the freeway." But if I saw a dog get hit, oh, I'd be inconsolable for weeks. Has the circus thought about hiring good kids with shovels to stop the bad kid with shovels. <laughs> Look, you know, I'm sure they'd be willing to take any consideration at this point. You might want to, uh, you know, offer that suggestion. They, they do have a, a Shriner suggestion box. It's actually just the guy's fez and you put it in on top. You just oh, fold it up and you just put it in a little slit <laughs> in his hat. I had no idea. That's, yeah, that's right. Wow. Hey, this might um, harsh your mellow with um, Netflix. A lot of Netflix users say they might drop the service if it starts running ads. The streaming video service is testing ads that would promote its yeah. growing lineup of original content. So it's basically promos, right? right? A new study says many viewers are against the idea. A study by Hub Entertainment Research found that nearly one quarter of Netflix subscribers said they would leave if it showed ads. The study found that Netflix might be able to keep some of those viewers if it lowered the subscription price to offset advertisements. It also found that Netflix subscribers will accept a price increase for an ad-free service. I am so grandfathered into the original Netflix you price? still get oh I was gonna say I do you still like get DVDs? Eight. I don't get DVDs to your, to your door. I don't. I would, but <laughs> I don't do that. It's not that bad. But I I think it's like eight dollars a month. I think that's what mine is, or maybe is it? it's ten. I don't know. Yeah, I think everything I'm signed up for is ten bucks a month somewhere along the line. But a lot of people will go to Amazon Prime, even though it's not. It doesn't have the same quality. It's it's competitive though. It's getting there. I like Amazon Prime. It is kind of like. Um, like all the documentaries, they have a ton of documentaries that they just got from the BBC. So oh. there's a ton of music documentaries on Amazon. And not all of them have the rights to the music of the oh. band that they are 
you know, featuring. featuring. And so sometimes you're watching it and you're like, this sounds like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but it's not. That's Stills. <laughs> it doesn't, I don't think that's them. It's with someone else. Yeah, but they're impressive nonetheless. Uh, Hulu, Amazon, uh, what, I'm not sure if Sling is actually doing any uh, content that's original right now, but there's so many streaming services. Basically, we're going to be all a la carte here very shortly. Right, and let me just reiterate because this Channel is, 4 will always be there for you This is my thing that I tell people That you can watch Channel 4 Without cable So I feel like we're, uh, Definitely we're going to live in a world Are you inviting people in to see live tapings? No, you ha- can use an antenna And it's oh. it's really cheap and it's HD You don't need- Really? Yes I didn't know you, that You didn't know that? No, why would you I know that? You get local channels on your If you just get a digital antenna Everybody has a new TV, right? Everybody has yeah. a flat panel You don't have a tube television Right Nobody does Mm-mm. Like one guy There's Bonox. a few on my street If you want to go pick them up They keep waiting for somebody <laughs> There's one in Penn Hills I've passed it for years <laughs> Anyway Yeah, you get the antenna And you It's it's HD quality It's 100% It's Crystal clear. You don't need cable is what I'm telling you. So you can get your Netflix and eat it too is what I'm saying. Like you can you can have all those new streaming services uh-huh. on your smart TV right. but also watch Pittsburgh's Action News 4. Okay. I'm down with it. I feel like we're definitely going to, I mean, cable is really hurting right now. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, but I don't think, look, local programming will never go away. I hope not. People always need to know what's going on where they live. For sure. And I'm hoping this blip that we are undergoing right now of completely reforming uh, medias, both national and local, uh, that we come out better for it on the other side. Though right now, I fear that might not be the case. (laughs) But it's good to know I can stick a coat hanger up in the air and still get to see you guys. Well, and likewise, you know, I want to listen to DVE in the morning. Sure. You know Radio I mean? is very local. I just but, I have this discussion all the time. The reason it works across the country and people keep going, radio's dead. It's like, well, mm-hmm. actually more people listen to the radio than ever before. For and sure. one of the reasons why is because there's more people. But people will always want to know what's happening in their hometown. For sure. And Nielsen did a study that said, I think it was Nielsen, that said that in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, more than any other city, people watch local TV news. Mm-hmm. They turn on the five o'clock news. Sure. Right. So I mean that's that's they they care. Are they going to turn on the Steelers? Adam Crowley from AM Radio nine seventy here this morning. An abysmal performance by the defense. Mike Pursuta says, "Hey, that was one of the best offenses in the league. Just uh, hide and watch as uh, Pat Mahomes and company are going to tear it up all year long. And this will not be an anomaly. Uh, this will be just how it goes when you play the Kansas City Chiefs this year. But boy, it's hard to take that away from what I saw yesterday, which was just ineptitude from the Steelers defense all day long." Yeah, that's fair. The Chiefs are a good defense. Andy Reid's one of the best offensive minds in all of football. But it doesn't mean you can't slow them down. Uh, 42 points at home, that can't happen. You don't give yourself a chance. I don't care how good Ben Roethlisberger is. You're not going to win that football game. And it's just a continuation, really, of what happened in the playoff game against Jacksonville. So I don't think it's only about playing the Chiefs. Hell, the defense gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter against the Cleveland Browns the week before. So they're not good. I heard Mike say they've got a black hole linebacker. Yeah, that's true. Artie Burns. Yikes. They've got a lot of quote-unquote pedigree. But the reason people say that is because 
Steelers picked Artie Burns in the first yeah, round. Yeah, that's his his pedigree is we thought he was supposed to be really good. Right. Yeah. Does that mean he is good or does that mean that there's problems evaluating talent? It's probably the latter, not the Th- former. They have a horrible record of evaluating defensive talent under Mike Tomlin. Is it okay now that we can say it wasn't the secondary coach from last year that was causing all the communication problems, maybe bringing in Tom Bradley didn't fix them all. You're down 21 to nothing in large part because you're not talking back there. Uh, you want to blame Artie Burns maybe for the first touchdown. I don't. I'll blame him for the Tyree Kill touchdown later in the game. He thought he was going to have help underneath with zone coverage. That help never came because they're not talking. And I know that This Kansas City offense is predicated on making you confused and Mm -hmm. a lot of window dressing over here. Uh, They're going to run the jet sweep. They're going to have a fake toss to the left, things of that nature. A lot of motions, things like that. But you've been preparing all week knowing that this was the case. Uh, It's inexcusable. And when you're down 21-0... I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you've got Ben Roethlisberger melded with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in their primes. Uh, You're fighting an uphill battle the rest of the way. But why do people want to look at that performance yesterday and say, oh, the offense sputtered uh, 3-3 and outs, and they went down 21-0 right away, and they can't do that. I mean, the offense tied up the game before half. Ben Roethlisberger had 104 point whatever quarterback rating, 450 yards passing. Who was the better offense on the field yesterday? No question. Kansas City. Okay, who who do the Steelers think should be better than them offensively? The defense has to help uh, you that, achieve that's that. Not, uh, the de- remove the defense from all consideration and at, tell me who the Steelers think should be better than them offensively. The well. Steelers! <laughs> Did I guess right? There's going to be some more games like this, kids. They're going to have to outscore people. This just in, the defense has been really bad since last December the 4th. How wasn't there an all-hands-on-deck emergency, we need to fix what's going on when Ryan Shazier got hurt last year? The second that happened and they realized the severity of his injury, and it still, by the way, blows me away when I see him walking around on the sidelines, and thank God for that. Uh, honestly, a little better every time I, I see I him, I cannot believe it. I mean, a true miracle to see him uh, uh, healing the way that he is, and I'm so happy for that story. But the second he got hurt and the severity of that injury was understood, how wasn't there a, all right, we, we have a big problem. We were relying on this guy to fix a lot of what is wrong with us. Well, they addressed it. So far, the answers have not been the right answers. I mean, come on. I mean, they they give Vince Williams that contract, and nobody was excited about that. They signed John Bostick, and they drafted Terrell Edmonds. Mike, do you feel that... So far, that ain't the answer. It's not. But they also drafted a uh, drafted a receiver and a quarterback when they were already kind of loaded on offense. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, you need Washington. Do you think Did you that... need Mason right now when you had right, Josh Dobbs and Right Landry? now, no, but... It, that position is important enough that if you find a guy that you think has potential to be the guy, then I'm not going to carp on that. they got enough offense right now. Does Shazier mask the flaws, but they didn't know he was masking the flaws because he was so good at masking said flaws? That's what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm... Or he provided so much that it's just hard to get by without what he provided. You mentioned the offense, Mike. The play that really stuck out to me is when the Steelers didn't hold serve, they go three and out with a couple of minutes left in the third quarter. Ben Roethlisberger can't hit Switzer on that third down. At that point, I thought, oh, hell, they're not going to win this game. Uh, The way Kansas City was moving it, if you don't at least put a drive together there, 
It was three plays, seven yards, couple minutes, yeah. pump I mean, the it, football, game over. It wasn't just 21-21. It was 28-28 at one point. And then it was 42-28. to How'd that happen? We're going to take a break. Got to keep up. You got, Chuck Noll used to have a saying. Oh, you, boy. You don't do... I, I don't want to go all touch your wolf on you. You don't do your fair share. You do what you can. This is a roster of unequal talent. There are guys who are supposed to do the heavy lifting, and there are guys who are supposed to chip in once in a while. And they're not getting enough of either right now. And I'm not trying to put this solely on the shoulders of the offense, but do not exonerate the offense because they scored 37 points. Which they actually got 35, and the defense got two. But got to put up 50 a game if you're the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers right now. It went who was from, the better offense it went from on the 30 field, to 50? And who do they think should be the better offense on the field? Well, they should they should be the better offense, but incumbent in that is the defense sticking bad. their leg out a little bit, doing anything yeah. to slow them down. They needed a couple run stops late, didn't get them. Adam Crowley from ESPN Radio 970 and Steelers Game Day hanging out with us as we talk more Steelers when we come back. 80%. DVE Sports. All right, our friend Shannon Prime from Channel 4 is uh, hanging out with us this morning. She's filling for Val with your news. And Adam Crowley from ESPN, ESPN Radio 970 is in studio as well as Mike Pursuta embarks on our next sports report here trying to make sense of what happened at Heinz Field yesterday. I just want to lambaste the defense Non-stop. Go and, right ahead. And you're saying, Go right ahead. Hey, does it make you feel better? Don't does. forget the offense and the special teams. Special teams are brutal. Don't I mean, Jordan Berry for- should not have a job here next week. When does a team lose as a team? Everybody's failing right now in terms of what they are supposed to be able to do. That is an uneven bar. But mm-hmm. no- Boswell hits the field goal in week one, they win. Nobody hits- is doing what they're supposed to do to help the team win games. I agree. But that goes to my question. What do we do right now? What do they do? They, there are a lot of people who get paid a lot of money to coach this team and to make decisions. So what can you triage? What do you do right now to fix what's broken? Well, the, the start with the kicker. You just got to start kicking the ball through. I, I don't You're more of you a kicker those expert than I am. Right. Don't, like mi- don't like- miss, right? You didn't miss very much until this year. Start not missing again. You got the yips, man. Uh, that, I, that's pretty much up to him, right? That's not a coaching thing. It's He's going to figure that out or he's not. How long has that snapper been there? You Second mad at the year. snapper? No, I'm not mad at the snapper. <laughs> I never get mad at the snapper. <laughs> but I think that uh, there's something going on in his head. When he didn't stick around to talk to the media last week, I was wondering why. Because Well, they do that sometimes. Yeah, but he's not a guy. He's a guy who's got nothing but praise. The, the fan base wasn't mad at him for missing it because they thought, oh, well, this guy's bailed us out so many times before. This is just falling within a really good percentage of error that was acceptable. Like, all right, in the rain, a long, you know, 40 something yarder. Yeah, we'll let this one go. He could have just said, hey, I should have made it. 42. But when he didn't, yeah, 42. He should have made it. Not 52. <clears throat> nope, he still should have made it. Not 62. Point, point being, when he missed the extra point yesterday, that's when I thought, oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. He's got the yips. Well, he's not in a good place right now. Here's uh, Chris Boswell after yesterday talking about his low point as a Steeler. I've been here. This is my fourth year now, and this is the most frustrating part of it is right now. Um, so it's not more reps because I didn't need more reps in the past. I just got to make them count. And, uh, 
didn't do that today. This career and the season and life is ups and downs, and you know these last two games are a little bit up, but a lot of down. So um, I mean, it'll bounce back and even itself out, and I just got to keep working and be patient with it. And next kick, next I'm not kick. worried about him. Jordan Berry, on the other hand, we cannot keep with this bad of a defense. Cannot keep giving up land like this. The field position is just insane. Okay, Where so they start yesterday? We're getting a list together on uh, fig triages, uh, Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. Step one. Tell kicker stop missing. Step two. Step two. Go to Ray Guy store. Yes. Get one of those. <laughs> Buy a new punter. Right. Okay, what else? We're, we're, well, can good. we stay we're, with the kickers just for a second here? How about like, the secondary this is, this is covers a. a guy? Okay. Run faster? Is that the... Let's go to the Carnell Lake store. Go buy one of those, too. I think the kicking thing is huge, not just from a, hey, we need to make kicks to get points. I think it then makes the decision-making that much tougher for Mike Tomlin. You get in a position where you're at the 30-yard line, 35-yard line. What do we do here? Do we go for it? Do we kick it? What do we do? And then punting, when your punter sucks, it's the same thing. Now, Barry also hit a 59-yarder that wound up leading to the safety. So he was... JV, as Mike Tomlin put it, but that was a varsity punt. And you can't cut him, right? Because if you do, then you get a new holder, and then that compounds the kicking problem. Yeah, then the guy's going to start missing. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, exactly. I'm bleeding. I'm blaming yeah, Boswell's no, I, downfall on Barry. I'm blaming it on Boswell, but uh, that's just me. Well, I like to compartmentalize. Yeah. <laughs> Defensively, it, back to the triage thing, they're not the 85 Bears, okay? Let's understand. They're not going to put up a wall and stop really good offenses. What they can They're the eighty five Bears right now. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty one years old. Yeah. What they have to do is make impactful plays at impactful times. In the Cleveland game they got seven sacks. Okay. Um it's harder to sack Patrick Mahomes than it is Tyrod Taylor. They're both mobile guys. Yeah. But you got a better chance if you can do what they did yesterday, the safety. That helped push the game back in their direction. Cam yeah. Hayward forced fumble. That helped push the game back in their direction. They're going to have to get a timely sack. they got to get more turnovers, a timely interception, uh, knock the ball out of the guy's hands a few more times, do whatever it takes at the right time just to, just to stop the bleeding, just to change the momentum, just to give yourself a chance. That's what their defense has to do against the really elite offenses. Now, Cleveland's not an elite offense, and they, they – had a very representative performance. They gave up 21 points. One of the touchdown drives was one yard, so it's hard to put that on the defense. You give up 14 or 20. With their offense, you should win. Okay? Uh, but sometimes you're going to have to score 40. That doesn't mean the defense can't still be better. I mean, what what happened to Vince Williams on the last drive when, when Tomlin decided to not onside kick and rely on his defense? God knows why. Vince Williams got blown up on two consecutive plays. Well, well, on the second play. The first one, Daniel McCullers got pushed back into Vince Williams. Why is Daniel McCullers in? I have no... I don't know why he's on the team, but he was in. Is uh, Hargrave... Is, is he... Her- Har- Hargrave was in on second down, on second and one, which tells you how good a job Daniel McCullers did on first and ten, because then it was second and one, and Hargrave came in. Um, on the second one, Vince Williams met Kareem Hunt in the hole, and Kareem Hunt... Spun out of it and fell forward, and Vince ended up on his back, and it ended up first down and game over. I'm a Big 12 football fan, 
and I watch this every week with West Virginia and with Texas Tech and all these teams. When your defense is bad, you just need that one play, uh, like you mentioned. And that drive right there, to me, just proves that you can't stop it even when you know it's coming. And that's why, not to change the subject, that's why you need to hold serve if you're the offense. I I am with you, Mike. When you know the defense is bad, and when you know their offense is good, and their guy throws five incompletions and six touchdowns, you can't come off the field. I also didn't like Mike Tomlin's choice not to go for it with what was it? Nine minutes to go. I didn't, left I didn't in the like that quarter. either. Go for like it. If you punt the ball, you're done. Yeah, I but agree that was you. the punt that set up the safety. Right, it was. So he that worked out for him. Just ask yourself this: If you look at the Steelers going into a typical typical game, what do you think's more likely that they can score fifty or hold the other team to ten? Right. Now we got to score fifty. Yeah. Well, look. Are you watching? Did you see the Super Bowl? It's because you're watching these games. How this much of it is these quarterbacks feel so comfortable because you, you can't tackle right. them anymore? It, this is so. what the NFL wants. They are driving the game to offense and points, and they're calling penalties for everything now. And uh, well, you, uh, that's the other thing about the Steelers: the the unorganized nature of this team in weeks one and two in terms of penalties. What? Uh, where are they in terms of? I gotta imagine they're leading the league in penalties at this no, point. No, they were good the first week, and yesterday Tomlin addressed this last week. He said he judges penalties relative to the opponent. Right, so when you're playing... Because the the games are called so differently by the different crews. Yesterday was 12 and 12. Hmm. Okay, the penalty yards... The Steelers had 90 yards in penalties. The Chiefs had 76. I didn't hear anybody screaming that Kansas City's undisciplined because they got a defensive holding on what should have been a strap, sack, strip, fumble, touchdown that would have made it 28-0. Just because they won. Yeah. The The penalties didn't beat them yesterday. Didn't help, though. Didn't help, but it didn't beat him. Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette. We're contentious this morning. It's contentious. There's contention. Well, I contend that the defense, if they're this bad next week against uh, Fitzmagic, we're in a lot of trouble. Again, to emphasize my point, I'm not trying to exonerate the defense, but don't forget the other two phases. Are you in good hands? It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. You know, after a loss like that, You need therapy. But I'm a big believer, as you know, in group therapy. Because I think that's how you move through the issues quicker and with more success. I'm going to opt for run faster. Jerry Dulac joining us right now as part of the group from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network is Adam Crowley uh, and Mike Pursuit are in studio along with our friend from Channel 4, Shannon Perrine, who's filling in for Val. Jerry D., good morning. How are you, buddy? Well, Randall, if I'd have known you had all those different bodies in there, I'd have showed up myself. But it was, you know, a little early for me. No, so yeah, I was well, to take a powder. Sleep in. The Steelers D did yesterday. Why shouldn't you? <laughs> yes, they did. I actually prefer individual therapy, group therapy. Everybody knows my issues. Well, that's true too. Well, the the problem is there are so many issues on the Steelers defense that Mike is saying now. Don't even bother worrying about them. <laughs> they're 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 gone. You can't fix that. The deep, the offense now has to become a juggernaut week in yeah. and week out. To borrow a Chuck, Knowles, Chuck Knoll phrase, uh, they have issues and they are great, and there's no question about it. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, it, you, I'll tell you where you can start, though. You can start with their linebackers. You know, going into this season, and of course it's still very early, um, you know, in a 34 defense, ask any one of those 34 architects. They will all tell you the key to the, that defense 
is the linebackers. And this is as average a group as linebackers as you've mm-hmm. seen on a Steeler defense. And go back as many years as you want. And uh, I think it's very apparent. And uh, it's it's not, um, you know, Stephon Tuitt and, and, and Cam Hayward and Javon Hargrave, you know, they're, they're a decent three-man front. I don't have any issues up front with those guys. But uh, that what's what's behind them is is really hurting them, and um, you know the, the back end isn't playing so great either. But uh, hey, Kansas City's given up 900 yards passing in the past two games, and they're two and zero. So uh, welcome you know, to the NFL 2018. That's exactly right. And Mike, look all around the league. Look at the yardage. Look at what Ryan Fitzpatrick is putting up. Who's next? Uh, who's next in line for the Steelers? I mean, this is pass, pass, pass. And you better be you better be able to defend it, or but, um, make the periodic drive stopping or momentum changing play. Well, you have to give do up it sixty yards, point. but get a sack. Give up fifty yards, but get a pick. Do something. The, do something. Take the, right, take the ball away, and they're and they're just not doing it. They they had they had one uh, yesterday. They had one uh, last week. So that's that's two takes. And, 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 you know, and the, the funny thing is they didn't even turn the ball over. You can't even use that excuse. Um, they, they did on the one. They're lucky it wasn't 28 nothing uh, on, on the strip sack. Why? Uh, yeah, there was another pick that got called back for defensive pass interference. Yeah, right. That's right, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, 29-29, tw- 30-27, uh, you know, uh, the Rams put up 34 points yesterday. I think New England and Jacksonville had a pretty big score as well, you know, 31-20. So, yeah, teams are putting up a lot of points around the league. And you know what's a funny thing? I have to go back and look. 34-23 on Thursday night. It seems to me It seems to me that last year, and again, I'll have to go look this up, that early in the year the defenses were dominating at the start of the season. But that is certainly not the case now. And teams are just coming out, and they're going to throw it. And it makes you wonder – how important a running game is, but obviously, you know, that was non-existent yesterday. But, you know, you still have to be able to make some runs at some point. But when you get behind 21 nothing, it's, you know, they know what you're going to do. For the most part, you have to throw the ball to, to get back in the game. And, uh, you know, they got they got blitzed in the, at the beginning of the game, and, and they got blitzed at the start of the second half. I mean, Kansas City came right out and bang, hit him with that play to Tyreek Hill right off the bat. And so... You know, it, it's simplistic to say, as Cam Hayward said, well, we're starting slow in each half. Yeah, but they are. And I don't know how you sit there and say, okay, let's not start slow, because I don't think you come out with the idea that, okay, we're just going to start slow and ease into this game. I think you come out with the same amount of intensity. But whatever the whatever the issue is in both of those halves, Kansas City put them on, on the defensive right away, literally on the defensive right away. Yeah, well, part of that is because Jordan Berry painted him into a corner with a crappy punt. Yeah, of course he did, and then he saves his best two punts for the end of the game when it really uh, doesn't matter. And he got away with the one that 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 uh, went out of bounds at the one. He hit a low line drive that just happened to angle right to the to, right to the uh, uh, one yard line, and then and then from his own four, from their forty five, he kicks it seventy five yards in the air through the end zone. So the time uh, the timing of his punts aren't, aren't very good either. So yeah, that didn't help him either. They had the guy pinned along the sideline. He had the perfect punt. In the first quarter, you have the guy pinned along the sidelines, and he, and he runs right down the sidelines for 53 yards. And, you know, Boswell missing the kick. Certainly that wasn't even help. Hill. I couldn't believe that. What's that? That wasn't even Tyreek Hill. No, no, no that was DeAnthony Thomas. That was that was their Dre Archer, Mike, if you recall. The Steelers 
the Steelers were debating DeAnthony, DeAnthony Thomas and Andre Archer, however many years ago that was, what, five or six years ago. And they, they picked Dre Archer. They picked the wrong guy. The Chiefs picked DeAnthony Thomas. So, all right. Why was Daniel McCullers in there so much yesterday? Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't notice him in there in an ordinate amount. I mean, he played, I think, 11 snaps last week. Uh, they're putting him in there a little bit more, but Mike, I don't think there's any. Mike Tomlin foregoes the uh, the onside kick and says the defense is going to stop him here, and he puts McCullers in. I was I wasn't surprised. Yeah, well, I I, I mean I, I don't know that maybe there was an injury issue. Uh, uh, you know, Randall, I'll try and find with Hargrave. That. Yeah, okay. I, no, he was, I, in, he was in the next out. I didn't have I didn't have a problem with them kicking it away. Um, I I thought that they would have done uh, done that and just figured try to stop him. And then what happens? First play nine yards to Kareem Hunt. That's all you need to know right there. You get an opportunity to make a stop, and and you know at that point they're right over Daniel McCullers. Yeah, well, I mean, that's hey, I, I, look, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't know why he was in there, but I'll try and find out. So, um, AB was again, screaming at Randy Feekner on the sidelines yesterday, Jerry. Well, that's nothing new, as we know. Uh, you know, this guy, he's been targeted. He's been targeted, Randall, 33 times. That's an inordinate amount, even for him, uh, uh, in two games. So it's not like he's getting attention. And, yeah, Ben's having some problems getting the ball to him. You know, he's been high. He's been wide. Maybe maybe A.B.'s in the wrong spot, which happens a lot. I'm not exactly sure what it is. But it's not like he's not getting attention. And if you saw when Ben scored the touchdown, you know, everybody's excited. You know, they come running over to him. Who comes walking off on the other side of the field like he could care less but Antonio Brown? Yeah. And who was the first one out of the locker room? Always the guy, the guy who's always the last one dressed. And, uh, you know, his, his issues get, get tiresome to them. Um, I'm sure he'll go in there today, as he has wont to do, and apologize for his behavior. Um, you know, he leads the league in apologies internally on Monday. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's three for three, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he a, didn't he have an apology before week one he's, and then after? Oh, uh, yeah. He's yeah. pushing I mean, for that public uh, apology record, too. He's, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's in, the, he's in the mode right now for apologies. So, um, but you know that you know gets to the point, and you know you've heard me say many times with players like that, when the production outweighs the aggravation, you keep them. When the aggravation outweighs the production, you move on from. Them. I'm not suggesting they're going to, nor should they. But you know, it just when you lose and you see his behavior, it gets it gets tiresome. Jerry D, uh, tonight are you at the bottle shop? Yes, uh, yeah, Tim Benz and I for Monday night quarterback seven to nine, and then tomorrow night we're right there in the studio. I try and clean it up for you, so when you come in. You know, it's not a mess. I try to get rid of the. Well, we don't we don't extend that same courtesy to you. So thanks for taking care and tidying up a bit. No, I come in. It's always nice and clean for us. Yes, we're at the bottle shop tonight, seven to nine p.m. Jerry Dulac from the Post Gazette, also part of the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network, broadcast right here on your radio home of the Steelers, DVE. Thanks, Chair. See you, boys. Next hour, Tim Benz will be joining us in studio along with Adam Crowley, who's hanging out with us from ESPN Radio nine seventy. Val is off today, so Shannon Pry from Channel Four fills you in on news next on. There seemed to be something uh, metaphoric about the camel going on a rampage at the circus yesterday, and nobody could stop the camel. Was it lined up in the slot? (laughs) (laughs) Who's supposed to cover that guy? Whoa, camel! Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, camel! Whoa! Come on, whoa! Whoa! I mean, Bell and the DVE morning show. Gets the shotgun snap. 
Throws it down the middle. And the pass is caught for a touchdown. And that is Travis Kelsey going right down the middle of the field. And the Steelers didn't cover it. No, they didn't. They didn't cover a lot yesterday. Adam Crowley is uh, hanging out with us here from ESPN Radio 970. Tim Ben's making his way in uh, as well. And Shannon Prime from Channel 4 is here right now. Just a brutal, brutal game yesterday. I think the Steelers need to go on a team-building exercise to like get some synergy, do some trust falls, do like a ropes course, like a corporate thing. Yeah. Can't hurt. The Pirates did that Marine thing. That didn't go over that well. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, tonight, the Upper St. Clair Wellness Committee, along with the Upper St. Clair Girls High School Soccer Team, will be hosting a Green Out game for Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. That's tonight at seven o'clock game, uh, a seven o'clock game at USC's uh, High School Stadium. Representatives from the uh, uh, National uh, Alliance on Mental Illness will be there tonight, along with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Players will wear green ribbons, and uh, they wear green for suicide and mental health awareness. Hashtag USC Green Out for Suicide Awareness to uh, get involved on the media, social media uh, uh, take on that. And that is, once again, tonight at Upper St. Clair. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Very important issue. Uh, Shannon is here. She's got a news update for you. What's going on? I am Shannon Perrine from Pittsburgh's Action News 4. Good morning, everybody. Got to get to this. State police said an argument started when a man hit a golf ball toward a local home, and it ended when another man pulled out a gun. The incident happened Sunday afternoon at the Bonnybrook Golf Course in Butler. State police said the victim hit a golf ball in the direction of a home. So there's some homes right there on the course. Mm -hmm. When the victim tried to get the golf ball out of that yard, which is a private yard, I suppose, the victim and a man who lives at that home got into an argument. The man who lives at the home pulled out that gun during the argument. Nobody got hurt. State police said the man who pulled out the gun will be cited for terroristic threats, simple assault, and harassment. I want to know what came first, the house or the golf course? That's my question. They're usually kind of simultaneous, right? right but well, so- my question would be more this. Was he pointing the gun at the guy or at his ball? Mm. Like, one more step and I'll shoot. Was he going to shoot the Titleist or was he going to, you know... And does that count as a stroke? Right. Well, I would think so. <laughs> It's definitely a shot penalty. I, something. Hey, this is going on. Classes are canceled again for students at Kerr Elementary School in Fox Chapel after another mold issue. A spokesperson for the mm. Fox Chapel School District says they hope to have the issue resolved quickly after the substance was discovered in three rooms at the school Thursday. Classes were also canceled on Friday. Have you ever seen this issue? I mean, yes, we have had mold in schools mm-hmm. over the years. I just think this past spring with all this rain mm-hmm. and then... I mean, I guess just nobody's there in those buildings over the summer, and then boom, they've got this issue, and they 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 can't do it. It's 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 almost. It seems like every district is going crazy, making sure there's no mold in classrooms. We I get, think the extreme weather has uh, really been tough to difficult for right has been tough and difficult for schools to contend with. You know, the one thing that people used to were really mad about. I guess they let people out early for extreme hot temperatures last week, right? And that made people frustrated. But I don't think you understand. Like, those classrooms, those aren't kids sitting in air conditioning. No. Like, it gets up into the 90s in those classrooms. My friends are teachers, and they they have thermometers in their classroom. You can't learn when the classrooms are that hot. No, and some of the kids are really little, too. You have a kindergartner or first grader in there, and it's 95 degrees in your classroom. Right. You're not getting anything done. But I kept seeing people bitching about it, like, oh, well, you know, how are these kids ever going to learn? It's like, I don't think you realize that's just not safe. Right. 
I used to huff mold back in the day. How'd too. that go? It made me a lot tougher, and yeah. I think these kids could benefit from sitting in there and breathing in these <laughs> yeah. spores. Character Take building. It. Yes. Take in that toxic mold. It helps. Black lung doesn't matter. Yeah. Builds character. I don't know. I think the extreme weather's screwing up everything. It wouldn't surprise me if mold and spores and all that stuff, that's what's going to take us out. You watch. You watch. It's not going to oh, yeah. be like one big thing. It's going to be a slow mold growth over the... Yeah. It's like George Carlin already said. The earth's going to be fine. <laughs> don't worry about the earth. It's going to spit us right off of here. <laughs> I saw him at the Syria Mosque. Oh, yeah. Years ago. He was the greatest. Yeah. And the Syria Mosque was too. All right. A judge is giving officials in Denora the go-ahead to raise a vacant building. That means tear it down. Yes. FYI. Why would you, why would you raise a vacant building? Right. <laughs> R-A-Z-E. The building on the 500 block of McCain Avenue is called by officials an extreme risk to health and safety with a wall partially collapsing last Monday. The building is reportedly at imminent risk of collapse. The judge will also allow the work the borough to lean the property for the cost of the work. This is an issue every city from Pittsburgh to Aliquippa to Manesson to Donora. Mm-hmm. You've got vacant buildings that are dangerous and falling down and pe- somebody owns that building. We've, I myself have done a few stories in the city of Pittsburgh and other small cities around Pittsburgh about this issue and just finding the, the person who owns it and holding them accountable for That's that. That's the because tough part. hurt. Yeah. Yes. Finding the person that owns it. It's some dude in Kansas City or something like that. New York. Yeah. Canada. Right. Right. Well, you get to the bottom of that I'm stuff. On it. This I is what ha- for this the people of Denora. It's it's this kind of tough journalistic uh, work that you're doing over there, Channel Four, that we need to continue and that we have to support. Well, thank you, Randy. Shannon Prime's one of the. She's one of the OG. I, oh, I feel like I feel like I am one of the I am uh, you are one of the elder stateswomen of uh, local local media. In a weird way, you are though. I do not picture you as being like. I don't think you're like old or venerable. I think you're like at the you're in the uh, second place. big contract of your NFL career phase. Oh, okay. You still yeah. You're, okay. You still have a ways to go okay. before you become more of a mentor. Well, I hope so. You're still doing great work right now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I care. I care. Um, would you like to know about uh, Fortnite and divorce? Sure. I, I don't play Fortnite, but I get video game addiction. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can understand and commiserate. Have and you struggled? Uh, I when I was younger, I definitely uh, had a proclivity to sit around for way too many hours, like playing right. video games. Like once I discovered Resident Evil, I thought it might be dangerous because it was just when you skip sleep. Yeah. To play video games, you start to realize, oh, I might uh, get it, get addicted to this thing. Well, they're saying now that according to a divorce law firm in England, Fortnite and other addictive video games are now cited as a reason for couples splitting up in 5% of cases. 5% seems high. Okay, so a strong marriage is great, but it is it as great as beating 99 strangers in Fortnite and then making your character do the electric slide. <laughs> I didn't know that was part of it. That's funny. According to a law firm in England, Fortnite and other addictive video games are now cited as one of the causes for splitting up in 5% of divorce cases. There are not any stats on how many American divorces Fortnite is responsible for, but since a heck of a lot more people over here play those video games, it would make sense that those numbers could even be higher. You know, I've talked to people who said their kids are having trouble at college because they're addicted to to video games. Yeah. Oh, that's not anything new. 
when I, when uh I mean when you and I were in college it was pong but you know <laughs> yeah it wasn't quite that beer bad pong it wasn't <laughs> one too far away from it <laughs> me and Shannon were going to we had college a, we had a, t- a really tough pong addiction we had pong and Atari Pac-Man <laughs> that's right that's yeah. right well, what was your first video game addiction Randy uh I would say that the Atari 2600 Activision games like Pitfall. Pitfall oh yeah, Pitfall. I st- I mean, I still remember playing it like nearly on silent, so I could play it at night. So nobody would wake up. Yeah, because my mom would yell. And plus, when you got Pac Man for the twenty six hundred, it it was terrible, and it was really like, it went eh, eh, eh. like that was the sound effect for mm-hmm. hours, okay. and you kept playing. So that was definitely it. But in the arcades, it was Galaga, oh, Centipede, Galaga, Galaga Centipede. Centipede, Frogger. Um, um, what was the mission? Uh, missile Command. Oh, Missile Command. Yeah. Yes, Missile Command. I had a really one. bad centipede addiction when I was growing up, and I got over it. Uh, went to years and years of rehab. Yeah. And then Trixie's opened on the south side, and they've got an original centipede with the little white ball in the middle where you move oh, around. Yeah. And Have I you went been there. there? I, you can't keep me out now. Oh boy! I, you know, now I've, it's it's like I've fallen back into my old habits. Now now it's not going down to my basement. I have to go to the south side to be there too. So it's even worse of a fix that I need. It's funny because those old school video games, you did have an addiction to them, and then like much like I'm assuming having like a heroin addiction, occasionally you're like, well, it's not heroin, but it's good enough. And th- there were games like that, like Burger Time. You're like, all right, this is cut. This is stepped on and Burger cut time. a million times. <laughs> I'm still gonna play it. I'm gonna Yor play Kung Burger Fu. Time. Did you have your Kung Fu? Oh, yeah, dude. No, I loved Kung Fu. Oh, Yee Kung Fu was highly addictive. That yeah. was the black tar of the Atari 5200 yeah. or the yes. Commodore 64. That was a good one. There's no doubt. But it was like I got out right as the whole, uh, what was the one-on-one fight game that everybody plays? That finish Mortal him. Kombat. Mortal Kombat, yeah. That was right as I was getting out. And then I got back in with uh, Resident Evil and when the golf games got good and you could bet with your friends and just play skins all day. I was going to say golf? You got addicted to Well, now you're combining two addictions. Like game and money. Yeah, but also you're ripping bong hits because you're an idiot and you're like 21 and you're just sitting there gambling on golf all day. It was fun, you know? <laughs> no, but there's something I think it's probably going to come back is just going to the arcade because when you're, I mean, you've got the social aspect of kids playing now, Xbox or whatever, and they're online, with, but, but going physically to a place. These kids today, they they don't understand the magic of the big, giant, oversized, huge, quarter after quarter after quarter video game. But they hear us talking like this and they think it is so archaic because what they do now, they are so past the point of getting their enjoyment from playing these old video games that we enjoyed. They are now watching other people play the current video games and that is its own entertainment. Oh, it's It's hot. It's eight degrees of lazy. Yeah, it pick is up the crazy. joystick yourself. Got to watch it on YouTube. My nephew, I was up uh, visiting this weekend, and he's sitting watching a loop of old video games being played. Old ones. like And there's commentary. Yeah, right? and he's just sitting there, and he's watching, and he's fascinated by it. And I'm like, do you play any of these games? He's like, uh-uh. I'm like, you're just watching this? He's like, yeah. And I asked, like, why? And there's no real good answer. They're all huffing mold. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> these guys oh, are stars. <laughs> these kids have mold in their classrooms. Yeah. Well, there's that team, the Pittsburgh team uh, we had in here. Uh, I can't remember. What, what's their name, Joe? Pittsburgh Knights. Pittsburgh Knights. You know, and they, they go around and they do that, whatever the hell that league is called, the E 
for money. Well, yeah, no, they do very well. Well, the thing in Jacksonville, these guys were known. Like they are, like the guy yeah. when the shooting took place. Those people are known. They were stars. They were like man. stars in that world. Yeah, jeez. Oh, uh, all right. Well, moving on. Shannon Prime from Channel Four filling in for Val. Thank you so much. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Tim Benz is in studio. Good with to us, see you again, as partner. Is you Adam too. Crowley? Yeah, you guys are like old TV uh, cohorts. We are. I don't mean old, but you know what I mean. I, yeah, I've known no, we, we know. Mike a long time. Mike Pursuit. I've known Tim a long time. I've known you a long time. Mm-hmm. Adam's new. Adam. And we don't. And I'm too ugly for TV. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't wear shorts on TV, Hoss. You can't? Let me ask you this, Tim. There's nothing you're going to do to the Steelers' defense to drastically change their abilities right now. Is the real issue, uh, they've got a big talent evaluation problem defensively in the Steelers' organization. Yes, this is the team that never missed on a linebacker, and now they can't find a linebacker. T.J. Watt is okay. I mean, he's doing... He's good. He's good, and he had a great first game. He made one big play yesterday to make that safety happen in the end zone. He didn't get credit for it. I think T.J. Watt can be great. Yes, he's he's very good, but he's the first one in a while, and they have massive holes at that position. Bud Dupree whose first impact yesterday was when he went on Twitter and got mad on a fan afterwards. Yeah, he, he slid into the DMs of a fan and said he was sleeping with his sister. Had as many tackles as he did penalties yesterday. Two offsides, two penalties, nary a sack. In a contract year, it's Jarvis Jones 2.0. Um, they don't have an inside linebacker and can't find an inside linebacker to replace Vince Williams Ryan is just not the answer. That was a, an unnecessary contract, in my I opinion. I, I just don't know what they were... Th- they just didn't have another alternative. Shane's second contract that you're talking about, yeah. way more important than Vince Williams. I agree. That's 100% clear. Yeah, and uh, I would say the same thing in the secondary, too. You know, They were so desperate for a corner, they had to make Artie Burns a first-rounder, and I don't know if he was first-round talent-worthy. He's not really showing that right now. Have they not? I mean, Morgan Burnett uh, aside last year, have they just been reluctant to sign veteran free agents who they know can come in here and get the job done, or was so much money tied up in the offense that they've just had to make do? Yeah, the cap issues are part of it but at the same time how often do really good secondary players become available that's sort of like saying hey go out and get a really good pitcher right. well they don't they don't if they do hit their massive contract levels and <laughs> they're just not out there often as or reasons. they retire at halftime if you do sign them right yeah that was from yeah. buffalo yesterday vontae davis who pulled the most dramatic Garrett blunt of all time did you see lorenzo alexander's reaction i can't even say he was mad he was just baffled yeah he was stunned yeah i i have no way i don't blame him why? Because the Bills. Have you seen the Bills? Oh, yes. they are bad. What is the point of that? I thought that guy was up this there to fix everything last year. He made them way, <laughs> way worse. This stuff's a wrap. I'm out of here. Whaley yeah. had them on the way. They were going to go. Yeah, you how do you a- like me now? Yeah. yeah. Whaley's sitting around in uh, Upper St. Clair, Mount Lebanon, or wherever he is, and saying, my God, am I out at the right time. Yeah, and they're still paying me. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> so they're a mess. That guy... You know, Vontae Davis quits at halftime. The Steelers uh, they first right like, read he's made all year. Uh, <laughs> Look like they had a couple, uh, not even show up for the game yesterday. I mean, Tim, they simply weren't covering guys. Uh, Travis Kelsey running free yesterday. Sammy Watkins. Nobody within 10 yards of Talk him. Talk about a guy in a second contract that was a bust. They made him look worthwhile yesterday. Yeah, well, yeah, that injury he had early on, he just needed to heal from it. And now that he has... Who are we talking about? Sammy, Sammy Watkins. Watkins. Oh, yeah. He looked really good. He came into the league with a foot injury that he took. it yeah. took forever for him to get over. That guy was a fourth overall pick. I know. They, I mean... He played like he yesterday. He was that for a reason. Well, look, the Whaley traded for him 
to make that happen, you know? I mean, he moved uh, heaven and earth to get him in Buffalo, and then he came in and hurt his foot immediately. Look, Patrick Mahomes, I think, is going to be a really good quarterback. I just can't wait to see him against an NFL defense. Everybody keeps saying that, but Mike is over here to tell you He's right Springsteen. now. Huh? He he's, keeps making this analogy. He's Bruce Springsteen in 1974, and I'm John Landau, and I have seen the future of yes, quarterbacks I, I've in the I've heard you say this one before. I, I'm on board. I think he's really good. He's phenomenal. Well, and maybe he's starting to rewrite the narrative that people are worried about with Big 12 quarterbacks. There's hope for Mason Rudolph. Like, yeah. People keep saying that, oh, they're from the Big yeah. 12, he's from the Big 12. It's, I liked your tweet yesterday, Adam, which was Patrick Mahomes playing like he's still in the Big 12, and so is the Steelers' defense. Patrick Mahomes is, I think, the next one. I loved him coming out of the draft last year. doesn't mean that you can't rattle his cage a little bit. It doesn't mean that you can't put a hand in his face. Only one oh, time did that happen. God. Yeah. There and were 98 dropbacks yesterday between the two quarterbacks. Two sacks. 98 dropbacks combined. That's two sacks. He took the next step. Game one, he had 12 incompletions, and the thought was Alex Smith was efficient. This guy didn't need to be because he can chunk you. Well, yesterday, he was efficient and he chunked the Steelers' defense. Uh, he's going to face better defenses than the Steelers this year. He will have success against most defenses he plays. Though. I think the biggest thing with the Steelers right now is they're trying to overcome their lack of talent by scheming around it. They're trying to overcome that massive hole at inside linebacker by scheming around it. Yes. Oh, the dollar, the quarter, the nickel, the dime, right. uh, the loony, whatever they got out yeah. there. And it's looking like hockey. It's looking Canadian because there's so many line changes. The big thing to me was watching them pre-snap. You think they're a tragedy after the That's, ball is That snap. is so pre-snap. frustrating. Oh, my God. There's five guys coming on, five guys get going off. Get off the field. No, hey, you get back on. Hey, hey, and it's the big guys. Uh, yeah. It's Hargrave and Tuitt trying to make their way across Ugh. the field. And I'm watching this say, like, if you're the Buccaneers, uh, maybe it's not a full-fledged hurry-up because a full-fledged hurry-up actually keeps the defensive unit on the field. But you just like you have to train them to watch the Steelers when they start to come on and off. Okay, now you snap it. Now they'll get delay of game penalties and twelve men on the field penalties all day. How much of what occurred offensively or what didn't occur offensively was because they had to go away from the run so quickly? Hurry up offense. Those guys were absolutely whooped by the end of the game. Well, Roethlisberger didn't you say Mike in the post game? Roethlisberger said that they were really tired at the end of the first half because they. They just couldn't. They had, he yeah. did, but I would assume the guys covering them were tired also. Yes. Uh, as to the running game, uh, first and 10, Pittsburgh 21. Uh, first play of the game, deep ball to James Washington. Incomplete. He was open. The deep ball has not been there for no. a season and a half. Yeah, when they, when they tried to run the second drive, uh, Connor lost three yards on first down, starting it out. And then uh, the second one was a pass to Connor for no gain. This, this isn't penalties. This is not executing and not getting it done against the defense he should have. Well, for, think, for your guys' territory, all 12 of those penalties, I don't have a problem with. As as much as they were penalized yesterday, as much as I was griping about it after Cleveland, I saw those penalties they were flagged for yesterday, I have a hard time finding My a God, was everybody jumping yesterday? What are we going to do? They were all obvious. I, I, can't, I don't know if I could find a complaint about any of the 12 penalties that were actually called. All right, more Steelers talk coming up for you here on your radio home of the Black and Gold 102.5 DB. Adam Crowley from ESPN Radio 970 hanging out with us. And uh, Adam, who has the best show uh, uh, that nobody's heard, preps. No, no, no. The cheese tees. Your show's the cheese great. Tees. The Cheese Tees is a daily uh, video preview of what you're about to see on a show that you, you should follow Adam on Twitter for that alone. Uh, if the show is anything. Uh, uh, near as entertaining as those are, well... Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't listen to it. I just talk, stuff comes out. They tell me it's going okay. Wednesdays at 6, it's phenomenal. Yeah, 
Tim's on. <laughs> Today at 520, it'll be phenomenal, too, because Mike Pursuta's coming. There you go. All right. Good deal. All right. More coming up here. Mike Pursuta uh, in studio. We've got Stan Saver next hour for the Power Hour. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. House of a Thousand Beers in New Ken. Another good name. $2 Bud Light 16-ounce aluminum bottles during all Steeler games. Those are the good ones. Those are the ones that stay cold forever. A House of a Thousand Beers in New Ken. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. DVE Sports. Yesterday during the game, something fell from the section above us. We're on the second level. And from the third level, a good, what, 35, 40 feet? Did Travis Kelsey catch it and run into the end zone? <laughs> it was a bag of hot nuts. It said on the bag, hot nuts. And it fell from the third level down to the second level in between the feet of the guy sitting two seats away from me. And we're like, whoa, what the hell was that? And he picked it up and he's like, it's hot nuts. We're like, somebody's hot nuts just fell from the third level down to the second. He said, yeah. He picked them up, and he just started eating them. Because what else would you do? Look, in look, the smash ratio of it was pretty good. They didn't, He didn't lose too many of them in there in the fall. But it fell right onto the cement. Mike, when the nuts dropped, I thought, the Steelers are in trouble. This is a sign. See, normally that's when you get a little tougher. Yeah, most people, <laughs> most people at Heinz Field, when you hear about D's nuts dropping, it's usually when Gronk is spiking the football after a touchdown. These nuts. When AB is making one of his now, uh, I got to say, infrequent post game appearances with the media. Yeah, Tim Benz that? and Adam Crowley with us as Mike Pursuta leads us through uh, another sports report, trying to make sense of what happened in Heinz Field yesterday. An absolute beatdown of epic proportions. What? Nah. The A defense game? is horrible, and they've given up 79 points in the last two games at Heinz Field. You're going to see this game again. I'm aware. I'm not going to like it that one either. You saw this game in January. you got to figure out a way to outscore them sometimes. Because this just in, they're not the 85 Bears. It would have been nice if someone had hit Bud Dupree on the hoof with a shovel like the camel. That would have been nice. Just to get him going. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get him enraged. Well, let's let's get a little post-game reaction since I did go into the locker room yesterday and interview a bunch of guys and... Aside from AB. The only clip, aside from AB, the only clip I've played today is Chris Boswell because we've been just kicking it around. Well, because we're frustrated. It's group therapy. It's been good, but the, uh, the, the narrative that they were trying to sell uh, after Chiefs 42, Steelers 37 was it is not time to panic and they're not going to do that and they're not concerned that they might. Not at all. Uh, we got a great group of guys. Um, they're going to come in ready to, and hungry. Um, we're going to get the job done, but uh, we ain't get the job done now until today. Uh, it's going to start in practice, and we're going to build towards it, and we're going to be ready Monday night. That was uh, Cam Hayward already looking ahead to Tampa Bay. Ramon Foster uh, not happy about what happened either, but uh, not ready to use that P word. It's just game two. Uh, we got time to catch momentum. We got time to, to correct whatever we have going on. The good thing about it is we have an extra day this week. Um, we'll build a team that, that, that do the necessary things to get it right. So um, it's, it's early. No panic at all. None of that, none of that. We'll build a team to correct this and move forward. Uh, you, you guys know it's, it's 14 other games. So that's, that's how we got to approach it right now. And then to, to say, you know, we bow our heads, no, nah, never that. No panic maybe, Mike, but I don't think it's early. Well, it's just two games, but I found this interesting. I looked this up yesterday. This is Mike Tomlin's 12th season. This is the second time 
in 12 years that they have failed to win one of the first two games. Right, and the other time was in 2013. 2013 when they started 0-4 and ended up 8-8. Eight eight. So right. it ain't a good trend. And the other time in the Heinz Field era, they went the first two weeks without winning a game was when they benched Cordell for Tommy Maddox back in 2002. The difference being in that year, and they ended up going 10-5-1 and and making the playoffs, the difference being in that year, they lost to the Raiders and the Patriots, both of whom had been playoff teams the year before. The reason I'm more concerned about the timing, maybe not getting to panic, but why I'm more concerned is the first three weeks of this season were supposed to be wins. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were somebody who thought they were going to contend with the Patriots for home field advantage, or even Mm -hmm. if you thought, like me, that they were going to go 10-6 or 11-5 and win the North... These first three games are supposed to be wins because the second half of the schedule is harder. Now you've gone all one and one, and the Buccaneers look like the best offense in football out of nowhere. It's a legit point. I think you may have seen the best offense in football yesterday, which I certainly didn't see Patrick Mahomes coming. But I didn't see I, Ryan Fitzpatrick coming like this either. Yeah, I haven't got to look at them yet. I'll 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 look at the video as they say. But uh, I think going into the year, you look at Kansas City. You, know, you expect you expect to win all your home games except the Patriots because you never beat the Patriots. But losing to Kansas City at home is a little bit attention-getting. If they go down to Tampa and win, it's 1-1-1, one, one, and, one, and everybody kind of exhales. And then you got Baltimore coming here, which I still don't think Baltimore Cincinnati are any good. Uh, it's early. That could change. And uh, Adam and I looked at the Chiefs' schedule. They've got the Broncos and the Jaguars coming up. That'll be interesting to see how that offense does against those teams. Well, Jesse, those are pretty good defensive teams. Jesse James had the best game yesterday for the Steelers, I thought. Also the best quote where he said, look, I don't want this to be like my rookie season where we're playing the Browns the last week of the season and we're waiting for the Jets to see if they're going to win or not to get us in. And that's like he kind of said it's not just September, and I tend to agree with him on that. And is adamant that uh, Cam Hayward and Ramon Foster were that the Steelers will respond the right way. Ben Roethlisberger... Uh, was uh, relatively curious as to that end. Well, it's not fun, but it's still early. Um, you know, this kind of where are we going to go from here? You know, it's kind of a mere gut check, whatever you want to call it. So we'll see um, how everyone wants to respond. We'll see how everyone wants to respond. No declaration that they shall. Well, I mean, Ben had all day to throw yesterday, had a big game, uh, was able to extend plays. It seems to me that, like, you know, maybe this is part of his, uh, you know, the elbow injury that kept him out of practice basically all week because even on Friday, not sure how much activity he actually was engaged in. But uh, that long ball and the stuff he's doing on the run, seems like he's having a little trouble pinpointing it's that right yet. now. He, he acknowledged that his deep ball's not there. He's got to do better on the D. He said, I missed a couple, and he did. But And maybe those were the ones, you know, all the points count. If you give up 38, score F and 39. If you give up 40, score 41. What did you do with the Ravens last year? Was 39, their team is built that way. It's not, okay, we're shutting them down now. They're done scoring. Which and is it, what makes Cleveland so damn frustrating. Your quarterback is the franchise guy, future Hall of Famer. He turns the ball over five times last week. If he doesn't, if it's four times, if it's three times, you're one and one right now, and that P word doesn't even enter the conversation. And, Adam, if, if you're that good offensively, then you know what? When you get down there after you get 50 yards from Jesse James on one play, don't take eight snaps in three minutes oh. to get it into the end zone. Um, you know, if you want to work in Stephen Ridley, figure out a better way to do it than that ghastly three and out that they had in the fir- uh, fourth quarter, third quarter, sorry, when Ridley had one ball thrown to him, ran to the line of scrimmage, and then they threw it to the, sl- to the punt returner and had to punt it back. That was my series of the game. Uh, don't, don't be bad on the first two possessions like they were. Like you were saying, Mike, I don't think the offense is off the hook here. I don't. Well, you know, they were using uh, Fitzpatrick, or not, not Fitzpatrick, I'm sorry, um, 
Why can't I say Switzer's name? Uh, they were using him out of the backfield a little yeah. bit yesterday. I did thought that, that was interesting. In, did that a little bit in Cleveland? Yeah, they did, did one or two did in more Cleveland of it too. yesterday. But really, where they looked their best was when they spread it out and ran empty and just threw it all over the yard. And that's that's where the NFL's going. Even on third and one, a play that worked. Here they are. You could line up and just slam Connor in the line. What did they do in that one play? That little shovel pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like, oh god. Oh well, look, they are taking second and shorts as an opportunity to to bang it down the field. And if they don't get it, then they've got yeah. one of five things they're doing on third and short. And uh, a lot of the times, it's going to be that quick out or the slant to AB or a weird thing to Juju because when you have Lev Bell, it's easy to just give him the ball and you got a first down. Think of the touchdown that Connor scored how hard he had to work for one yard to get that ball in the end zone and he barely got it in and they pulled Finney and Roosevelt Knicks were leading that. Roosevelt Knicks just ran through the hole and didn't hit anybody. For his highly paid and his highly Hey Rosie, you got in the end zone. Yeah, You don't have the ball. <laughs> as supposed to hit one of the guys in the white shirts and push them mm-hmm. away. Connor had to spin and yeah. fight through a couple guys and stretch it and spread them out. Throw it all over the yard, see what happens for now. That offensive line makes a lot of money and gets a lot of praise, but they don't trust it. Third and short, fourth and short, just plowing forward. And defensively, see if you can make enough impactful plays. You know, a a handful of them. A sack, a turnover, a stop, something. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back more as uh, we're joined by Tim Benz, Adam Crowley, our friend Shannon Perrine from Channel 4 filling in for Val with your news. Chalk Talk tonight on DVE from 7 to 8. James Conner. On with Craig Wolfley from the Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson. That'll be live on DVE, 7 o'clock. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> Val will be back tomorrow. Shannon Prime from Channel 4 filling in. Uh, Bill is uh, entertaining the troops and on his way back from uh, the Middle East on the USO tour. And he'll be back on the show here Wednesday. Tim Benz, Adam Crowley uh, hanging with us as we try to parse through what went on there yesterday. AB's tantrum. Now, when he does this stuff, Mike, to me... This is just part of having a B on your team. This is like uh, going, well, we wanted to have a big dog, but that means he he poops huge landmines in the backyard. And uh, every once in a while, I got to go out there and clean up some big, huge landmines. But I love having the big dog. And they're not even hard ones. To no, pick it's up just a, yeah. It, there's gonna be some some mess Steamy that comes along with having piles. the yeah. mastiff. Constant diarrhea. It's runny and it just keeps going. Right. Yeah. So this one. It's uh, always been a fine line, hasn't it? I hate to keep going, cower. I know. And sometimes they do it in the house. Right. Oh. And well, yesterday on the carpet. It seems like he's. Uh, they did it in the master bedroom yesterday. There seems to be something different about the last month. And Go back to OTAs, that meltdown. Yeah, that was a weird thing, too, where I can't that live was, my life. It's like That was different even for him. He's am I always, free? Am I even yeah. free? He's always been out there. I, I get too, I got to wake up to Google alerts, like the attention's too much. Then he shows up to camp in a helicopter. He's a walking Google alert. Yeah. I, something's been off about him since the spring. I well, think George Iwoka hit is. him harder than we thought he did. Well, I don't think he's ever been the most emotionally stable person. This no, is, but this seems to be a departure even for him, or do, an acceleration, or it's it's more whatever than it usually is. Is there, do you think, uh, signs of it going past the usual sort of narcissism that uh, he's espoused and, and uh, projected in the past, and, well, and, and a little uh, bit of a meltdown? He's had to issue apologies in consecutive months for his behavior. Yeah. And how does that that impact the rest of the team? 
That's the the question. Hey. If he stretches the ball across the goal line against Baltimore, it does you not. You say that, but yeah, I really I feel like that nonsense has a nasty trickle-down effect. Did you see... I didn't see this. Madden brought this up to me on the podcast that he and I do for Trib Live. He Sidney said, Crosby's great! Is that well, we got to up? that eventually, but he was saying that he saw Ben mouth the words, he's a baby, when talking... Was that on television somewhere? No, that just sounds I, like Madden. I don't know. I think Antonio Brown's behavior exasperates a lot of people often. And I think when he stretches the ball over the goal line and gets Baltimore, they run up and hug him. Right. Okay. So my my question is, was it what not what is it doing to the team right now? But what if you start off 0-2-1, you go to Tampa, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the greatest quarterback of all time, throws for 500 yards, <laughs> uh, AB goes six catches for 50 yards, and then that compounds things. If the Steelers that would get be off, bad. it would. If it gets off to a bad start, how does the locker room handle? Do they fracture? Do they do? Do, do they hang in question. there? Tim That's asked Cam Hayward about. that yesterday. Yeah, I asked, well, that was the premise of my column for the trip yeah. today. Is how does team turmoil actually handle a losing streak? Here's a number for you to show how they have survived all this off the field stuff that Shannon brought up there. Mm-hmm. All right, so they had that awful four game losing streak back in 2016. 16, right? Remember that? Before they got to the FC Championship game against the Patriots, yeah. they won. With Dallas and Detroit. Yeah, yeah, Dallas and, and the Patriots England. at the end. Okay. Right, so they won all those games at the end of the year. 27 weeks between the end of that four-game losing streak and the start of this season, they had not lost consecutive games. This team doesn't really know what a losing streak is. They've now played three consecutive football weeks without a win. Jacksonville to end the season, tie against Cleveland, yeah. loss against Kansas City. I just City. don't take that Jacksonville one over. I think these are, I, I, I think you wipe the slate clean and you look at this as the start of this season is two winless well, weeks. Well, I hear you, but that's okay, like but, 90 points in two games But even home. if you do that, it's two weeks that you didn't win to start a year for the second time in 12 years. So his point still holds up. This is kind of relatively untraveled waters, if not uncharted. I realize that the NFL has changed. And the schematics that you are were once relying on defensively are outmoded, outdated. For most teams. Some teams are built defensively still, and they're really good at it, but not many. But the the Steelers are not suffering from a lack of being able to adapt from, you know, it's not like, well, they're sticking with the 3-4, even though, uh, you know. they're trying everything. I I know. It's the talent level is that this is a problem that cannot be fixed. They are, well, it hasn't been fixed yet. I'm not saying. sound hopeful. I'm not saying it's going to be, but I'm not saying it can't. Here's a couple reasons why. Terrell Edmonds, I think, is going to be a real good player. He is not horrible, horrible non-tackle yet. yesterday. But again, that was the coverage was there. You're talking about the run around. And, you got to tackle. It was execution, I thought, more than understanding what they should have been doing. Gotcha. Um, hopefully, he gets better. Uh, they kept they kept trying to change out uh, Burnett and Edmonds at safety. They were changing out the left corner between Sutton and Sensible. They're looking. Oh, Sutton got burned so looking bad for early. Some combination oh that worked, right? The one thing we haven't seen a whole lot of yet is that seven DBs package that I've been talking about ever since they drafted Terrell Edmonds. Now, you didn't have Joe Hayden healthy yesterday, so you couldn't do it if you wanted to. That's the only package that hasn't gotten destroyed yet, right? We still don't know that that sucks officially. I so, bet you it sucks. Well, <laughs> Maybe when they get that worked out to where they actually have everybody healthy and they can play it, maybe that's uh, something of an elixir. Randy makes a great point, though, because I caught myself a couple times yesterday doing the same frustrating thing that you did, which is, like, I'm complaining because they're trying all these new things and they've got all these different packages out there, but at the same time, I'm flashing back to my complaints of, Oh! 
It's the three four against yeah. Tom Brady all over again. Like they right. keep doing the same thing over. No, and over. They, it's been a while now. They've been trying to. Yeah, I know. The, the issue is they're trying all this new stuff, and they've got a new guy at inside linebacker in Bostic. They got a new guy in Morgan Burnett. They got a new guy they in corner fl- at Cam flipped, Sutton. Uh, TJ and yeah, those uh, guys are on opposite sides. Yeah, but now half the time he's rushing from the middle. I mean, he, they got him moving all over the place. Bud Dupree trying to you know figure. Out, well, if we put him up the middle, he can't really run past him. I haven't seen uh, Tampa play yet this year. I'll get to that this week. But I know this about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not mobile. And I know the Steelers have been able to pressure usually when it's not a running quarterback. And for a you, har- have to, you have to rush those guys differently. They couldn't throw the house at Patrick Mahomes. He would have used his mobility right. and burned them more. And that's he why did. he had all day yesterday. That's why they were trying to drop and do it with numbers. I want to see him get some pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick and see what happens. And for a, for a Harvard guy, for a smart guy, he, he throws, throws a dumb. lot of picks. He throws dumb, and this yeah. is when he's at the most dangerous for his own team. When he plays really well, yeah, that's he, starts, when he, he starts feeling it. Yeah, he, all of a sudden, he's uh, Drew Brees, or yeah. you know, he thinks he's Peyton Manning or something, and he gets right. himself in I trouble. Wouldn't, I wouldn't panic until after Monday night. If they go down there and win Monday night, they're one one and one. Exhale, move on with your lives. Adam Crowley they lose again. Panic. Adam Crowley from ESPN Radio 970, also part of Steelers Game Day. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Tim Benz, what time are you on, Adam? Four till seven, ESPN Pittsburgh. And who's on the show today? I got Mike Pursuta. He'll be joining me at 520. I think it's all me other than that. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about. Maybe some of you out there can yeah. the cheese I think we're doing a Spider-Man-themed cheese tease. I think you should put shirtless Tom in a Chiefs jersey and just have him run constantly with the ball. Until he gets across the goal line, then Un- take the jersey off. Unmolested. And then have him run down to the other goal line and score there, too. Tim Benz from uh, Trib Live and also part of our Pittsburgh Steelers pregame. You'll be with Jerry D tonight. Tonight, 7 o'clock, bottle shop and breakfast with Benz up with tons of Steelers coverage right now. And a, a tribute to your interview with Cam Hayward from last week. It was yeah. one of the best interviews we've ever had on this station. You and, liked that uh, Haley clip, didn't you? I liked the Haley clip, but I also liked when he said that was the most Cleveland thing of all time. He went at Cleveland. That lasted for one week until yesterday they executed the most Cleveland thing of all time with that missed extra oh, point. Oh, boy, did they ever. And then now they're getting rid of Josh Gordon? Can he play corner? That's what I wondered. Stan hey, by the way, any chance he doesn't end up with the Patriots? I, I heard he was going to Dallas. Oh. <laughs> wow, would that be beautiful? That's upgrade from Dez and go with Why Josh Why don't you Gordon. get rid of Des Bryant and then bring in Josh Gordon? That's oh, boy. Done. 49ers and Dallas were the ones that, uh, that I'd read yesterday. Uh, all right, well, Stan uh, Saverin is going to join us next for our power hour of Steeler talk, but Shannon Perrine filling in for Val has one more news update for you here. That's next on... You work out with your brothers in the off season? A little bit. I mean, we're all over the place. Um, they're all over the place. They had rehab and stuff. Derek's um, got a wife and a kid on the way, so um, everyone's kind of has their own lives. But we do get get back home for a few few days or a few weeks at a time. But it, it's getting harder the older we get. Because I would imagine, with the success that you guys are having as a family in the NFL, that your workout regimen might be something going forward that you guys could be like the new NFL workout gurus when you're all retired one day. You could have like Watt gyms all over the country. Yeah, maybe one day. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Either that or could have a broth place. Yeah, that too. Watts broths. Or Watworst. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Hey, there you go. I like that one. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, T.J. Watt on the show on Friday there. And uh, look, nobody was good for the Steelers defense yesterday. T.J. Watt, I have hoped, is going to be a great leader of that defense in the years to come. But, boy, they have missed from Italian evaluation standpoint defensively 
uh, on uh, the Steelers for too many years. That is a that is a defense bereft of uh, of major league talent. It is really hard to watch that. Stan Saverin in for the uh, Power Hour. I mean, they just don't have the guys right now. Well, they ignored the defense for a very long period of time vis-a-vis draft picks. And they did so because they wanted to build an offense around Ben. And so when you look at how prolific the offense is, there's a reason for it. Look at, look at the picks that they uh, expended on offense. Um, in 2011, I think that was a tipping point for them. They were 12-4 and four that year, but it's also the year that Tim Tebow beat them in that playoff game. And I think they realized then that the core mm-hmm. defense from 05-08, you could see it's starting to ripple around the edges. Yeah. And so then they said, okay, it's time. Because, you know, the Aaron Smiths and the Brett Kiesels and the James Ferriers and Troy and all those guys, you know, they were fantastic. Ike, they were fantastic, but time gets everybody. So they began to Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt mm-hmm. and then, of course, eventually Shazier. <clears throat> Some of the defensive backs, Jarvis Jones, a horrible selection there. Uh, and the problem is <clears throat> when you miss – on a draft pick at one position, and he's a total bust out like Jarvis Jones was, mm-hmm. then you have to follow that up, drafting a guy at another position. If Jarvis Jones is anything, they don't draft Bud Dupree. They missed on him, too, it looks like. Well, they like. missed on him, too. So that's the one thing they 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 missed. It causes you, you know, maybe instead of if Jones would have been anything, then maybe instead of drafting Bud Dupree, they draft a corner or a safe, whatever it is. You mm-hmm. see where I'm going. And it looks like they missed on Artie Burns. It's only his third year, but still, yeah. we certainly don't see uh, any improvement. Uh, Sean Davis is essentially playing the position he was meant to play, finally. Um, but there's there's no question that they're not any better. I thought they might be slightly better, but I thought the offense was going to carry him. But even the offense can only do so much. All right, we'll uh, revisit that with Stan momentarily. Shannon Perrine from Channel 4 filling in for Val with a quick news update. Before we get to that, let's uh, take a look at the weather brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. All right, currently we are at uh, 70 degrees at DVE and a quick news update from Shannon. Thank you so much for coming in to fill You're in for welcome. Val welcome. Thank really you nice for having me. It's so much fun. Okay, everybody, this is from Pittsburgh's Action News 4. Thanks for being with us this morning. Six children and one adult are at an area hospital with various injuries after a Camel started bucking at the Shrine Circus at the PBG Paints Arena. This was last night. It was crazy. You ever, uh, you ever tame a bucking camel, Stan? <laughs> I've nuts. smoked a couple, yeah. but I've never. <laughs> Can you do the Yosemite Sam thing again? I'll find it, yeah. According to Pittsburgh Public Safety, it's not known why the camel started bucking. Witnesses say there were kids getting whipped back and forth. People were screaming and running. It was pandemonium. <laughs> was somebody riding the... Darlene Harris wasn't on the camel while this was happening, right? She was not, okay. but somebody was. And, uh, there's video from, uh, we have a reporter named Jim Madelinsky, and he got this video from a fellow there at Facebook. So, it's, so everybody's got a cell phone camera, right? Of course, mm-hmm. so they're shooting this video. And it's bonkers because the yeah. camel's going nuts. Somebody's on. They're trying to get that person off. Could have been really really bad. Right, here's the uh, audio of that video. Camel, whoa, 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 camel, whoa, oh, come on, whoa, when I say whoa, I mean whoa. 
that is actual audio. Yeah, that's right. Knowing TV news like I do when it sweeps month in November, <laughs> when bucking camels attack, <laughs> yeah. there'll be a whole week series on that. The camel is run amok. We're going to look into it. Yeah, what happened? I, now I heard a kid hit him with a shovel. Well, he right. Yosemite Sam'd him. <laughs> He right. So that his was head get real what, flat, and then it popped back. Yeah, in. and then the hump switched from his back to his head, just like in the cartoon. There was a report that somebody threw a shovel at the camel, and that made the camel go nuts. Why are there shovels laying around? Oh, I know why. So it, it, so it begs the question. Oh, right. That was for the people. Right. After the camel yeah, started exactly. bucking. That's right. Whose job is it to shovel the camel? I don't know, but if I saw a Stop. big circus sign outside of an arena and people were running out of it screaming, I, uh, I that would be a funny scene to me. <laughs> I'd be like, good. I'm rooting for the animals in this one. Did you go to the circus as a kid, though? No. You did not go? They didn't come to Erie. They came to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Civic, Erie kind of was its arena. own circus. Erie right? was its own circus. We had, arena. A, we had a good zoo in Erie. We could go to the zoo. But no, uh, I don't remember going to the circus as a kid. I'm old enough to remember the old Pittsburgh Zoo with the cages. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah. Where they had, I mean, it was old school. That like, was when zoos were zoos. That's when zoos were zoos. What are they now? Well, you can't see They're the animals habitats. now. They're habitats. Yeah, that's, you, you know. walk around, you see a bunch of trees and rocks. There's no animals. They're all hanging out somewhere else. Yeah, that's how it works, When there were those little they cages and the tiger, all it could do was go back and forth about eight feet. You knew where it was. Yeah, it wanted to just kill you. you Plus, were when you were a little kid, you could throw stuff at it. Yeah. See, this when they is... took you on the school field trip. Yeah, You'd I... rather see them in the old iron cages. Oh, I want to see them, yeah. Okay. There was an elephant up in Erie named Bubbles, and my brother <laughs> kept, <laughs> kept feeding it peanut shells <laughs> with empty peanuts. We have That's this mean. on. We have this on like oh. uh, Super Eight video. My dad took it, and he kept feeding him the empty peanut shells, and the elephant went and got a thing of water in his trunk and came over and blasted my brother like that's how close you were to him like you know they were five feet away and they're just you know hosed my brother off that's great for uh for uh hornswoggling him there with the uh that was a the, horn, that was a peanut shell thing yeah he was hornswoggling the elephant that's what happens port authority is very happy to report that the service has been restored on the blue line if you take the blue line on our small subway system okay uh there was a fallen tree you know there was a uh, the flooding that happened sure. in june and yeah. what is it it's september mm-hmm. i'm told it's september my sources are telling me it's september <laughs> so they're just now opening up that blue line okay in the south hills so if you use that you don't have to take the shuttle buses anymore good so right as they're having their issues okay this is fun we'll see right a new survey asked people to give their significant other letter grades in a bunch of different aspects of their relationships. And the overall grade that people wound up with was, guesses? A plus. Stan? C plus. B minus. Randy's right. B minus. The average, uh, so there are 10 categories. Making an effort with their partner's family and parents, B minus. Yeah. Romance overall, C plus. Being spontaneous, C. Listening, C plus humor B minus cleanliness B sex life B overall stuff I can't say on the radio B minus <laughs> patient C plus and taste in movies and TV B minus so you gotta have you, you have to have shared interests uh, from a television and entertainment standpoint no right. you need two TVs and two remotes oh is that what two it, okay. rooms there you go you gotta do what you gotta do what was the things you couldn't say 
Oh, you want me to say it? Oh, can you? I didn't know. I thought she was just, be, you know, she's a respectable no, journalist. No, it was a very I good call on her part. Oh, okay. All right. It's not that bad. I'm just not going to say it. No, yeah. don't then. Let's just yes. not say it at all. The the one thing I think that uh, gets underplayed is the relationships with the other's family. Right. That's a whole thing. Now, I won the in-law jackpot super lottery, so cool. I'm really lucky. Right on. So, yeah. Well, as did they, I would uh, I would think. Well, it's weird. We're... we're my husband also often says that his mother likes me more than she likes him. Yeah, see, so. that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's how you want it. Yeah. That's how you want yeah. it. My wife gets an A-plus in every category. There you go. Hey. Smart guy right there. Clear. Smart guy. Jerry Dulac scored your relationship today yeah. in the Post-Gazette. All A-pluses. All the problems are generated by me. Uh, there you Do go. you ever watch a TV show that you can't stand because you just want to... No, we watch our own stuff. You go separate rooms. There's stuff we watch together, right? Series and whatnot. But there are stuff. There are things she likes that I want to jump off a cliff rather than watch, and vice, vice versa. versa. So that's why I've got the man cave, and she's got the family room. That's good. Uh, the that's man good. cave. Yes. All right. Shannon Pry from uh, Channel Four. Thank you so much for coming in today and filling for Val. We greatly appreciate it. Super nice of you, and it's awesome to see you too. It's been too long. Amen. The Pittsburgh Likewise. Steelers defense yesterday. Oof. Is caught for a touchdown, and that is Travis Kelsey going right down the middle of the field, and the Steelers didn't cover it. Stan Savern here for our Power Hour of Steeler Talk. Now, last week with Travis Kelsey being as quiet as he was, the Steelers had to anticipate that they were going to target him yesterday and find him and get him involved in the offense, and it didn't take long. Well, the odd thing is that the last two times they played Kansas City, they controlled Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. last week. Uh, last year, excuse me, he had one reception. Um, the year before that, he didn't hurt them. I mean, he's arguably the second best tight end in the NFL. He didn't hurt them. Uh, and that was a radical change, and I think probably a, rot- a lot of reasons for that, not to Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins among them, but no Ryan Shazier because his speed and agility, right. he can deal with tight ends. I don't think that's the only reason, but I think it's a big reason. And um, that's one of the reasons they brought Edmonds here. Right. And he's not there yet. He's not there yet. Um, frankly, their linebackers are awful. Awful. In pass coverage. Awful. Uh, we knew it was going to be a weak spot. Uh, Vin- if Vince Williams stays on the field... Pass defense is not his forte. Run defense is not his forte. Yeah, they, they don't. St- they haven't stopped the run. Uh, Ray Fittipaldo wrote a good piece in the Post Gazette. There's no question about that. You know whether or not the Steelers would have gone on to score, but okay. So they kicked the football with 159 to play. And by the way, they made a huge mistake in not getting those plays off quick more quickly when Ben scrambled for the touchdown to bring it to within five points. you got to get that score in before the two-minute warning so you can take advantage Use that time. of the timeout. It mm-hmm. gives you an extra timeout. But you do have to score, too. You have to but score. What, what about the, the onside kick versus trying to stop him there? If you're well, going to kick it off, you know, you know they're going to run, and they blast it off for nine yards well, on first down. That's what I was getting to in Ray's piece today. Um, you know, we talk about all the passing yardage, and obviously you can't ignore that. But everybody in the building knew what they were going to do, and they rip off nine yards, which then means that the timeouts you have are rendered useless. useless. Yeah, to it, me, it, that was nothing. It's zero. That was the worst play of the game. All the stuff that happened, all those touchdown passes from Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill and Watkins and these guys. I get all that. 
nine yards on first down when they line up with two tight ends and a fullback. And even Andy Reid is going to run the effing ball in this situation, and you can't stop it better than nine yards. That is the alarming thing to me about this defense. No question. They don't stop the run. They really didn't. That's where you make an impact play. You know, you got you got the penetration on the goal line and got a safety and helped, helped kind of yeah. pull the game back under control a little bit. That's where you stuff them. They needed to get Andy Reid. I, I appreciate Stan's point about scoring in front of the two-minute warning, but you have to score. Like, it, you need to use the time you need to score. Right, but because they spent, you gotta a, lot have a, they spent an awful lot of time at the line of scrimmage. I realize you get it the right play. But again, to your but point, they needed to no matter Reed, what you do, yeah. if you give up nine yards on first down, you it lost. doesn't matter how many timeouts you have left. And also, oh, by the way, it doesn't matter whether you tried an onside kick or kicked the ball deep. The, yeah. the only problem I have still got to stop them if you don't get it. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Although I do want to point out, I got uh, word from a couple people on Twitter. I didn't watch the Giants game last night. They executed an onside kick. Okay. They still lost, and I watched it uh, after people alerted me to this. You can't load it up. What they did was they hit a hard two-hopper at the front guy, Yeah, and he fumbled it. Okay. There are various ways. It was a hard grounder to third, and the guy didn't field it cleanly, and then they got on it. So they bounced it off the uh, return team. There's a 5% chance, generally, if you look at stats, that you recover. The only issue I have with not – I mean, I understand the three timeouts. Again, you give up nine yards on first down. It's a moot point. The only contradiction is, in the past, Tomlin, when his defense was getting torched, would onside kick when he had a lead. He has done because that against Green Bay. Think, yep. He didn't think the defense could stop them. Yeah. Uh, what uh, Maybe the fact that they stuffed him on the safety, he said, maybe we're getting it. I, I don't know. Well, and he probably thought, hey, even Andy Reid's going to run the ball now. We're going to know they're going to run the ball, and, and we'll we're going to stop them. We'll get, we'll get the ball back. They're it's, not going to try to score. They're going to try to run some time, make us use our timeouts, and punt it back. Basically, what he was saying is the percentages are greater that we can stop them three and out and get the ball back with then, whatever it is. Then converting f- the kick. Then converting the kick. So you don't think Tomlin erred there? Not necessarily. I don't think it's an automatic. Not egregious. I would agree with Stan. I could see it. If he'd have done it, I wouldn't have ripped him for it. But I can see the way he played it and why. They just that nine yard run. It just there's your problem in a nutshell. Running formation, running situation, running defense on the field, and it becomes second and one with the game on the line. There's your there Shannon was asking about how do you triage this? Where do you start fixing it? You gotta fix it there. And they've been talking about that since the Jacksonville game ended. Gotta play better run defense before you can play better pass defense. It's Run isn't very much in vogue anymore, but when people can run it on you when they want to and when you know they're going to run it, then they can do everything else, too. More with Stan Savern and his power hour Steeler talk here on DVE. DVE Sports. All right. Stan Savern joining us as he does every Monday for a power hour of Steeler talk as we go over what happened the day before, and it was not pretty yesterday at Heinz Field. The offense could not uh, return, return service. On the uh, Pat Mahomes led six touchdown performance, I, it's hard for me to look at that yesterday and get mad at the offense when they put up thirty-seven, five. Yeah, thirty-five. I know they got the defense gave them two, but Mike, we got to be better than letting up six touchdown passes. No question. And I but, think the but manner. How much, but how much better? So your contention, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be all morning long that 
while Steeler fans are going to focus on how bad the defense was yesterday, that A, it's not as bad as it seems because Kansas City is that good, and B, this is the new NFL that offenses are being, you know, they're putting in new rules to make the game more offensive all the time, and C, we only got to get a little bit better defensively to be able to contend. Well, I, I think they only can get a little bit better defensively. I hey, agree I, with you there. I, I wish they were the 85 Bears. Right. They're not. Uh, I agree with the points that you just referenced. And I'm, I am curious to see how Kansas City does against Denver and Jacksonville because those are two pretty good defenses. I think Mahomes is lights out. I think he's got weapons all around him. And he's going to be able to light it up against any of those you guys. You know, we've been talking for the last how many years about going into Patriots games. Hey, you're not going to beat him 17-13. Got to score some points because Brady's going to get his. Right? Yep. That's is is that not a game where it's up to the offense to do what is required? And if it's in the high forties, it's in the high forties. If it's in the low forties, it's in the low forties. But we usually make Brady work for it a little bit. It just seemed like hot knife through butter to paraphrase or to borrow a phrase from Tunch Ilkin yesterday. You're also when you start out uh, as slowly as they did, three three and outs, A, you're giving up a lot of field position, especially um, with that punting game that the, the Steelers have, which yeah. is totally unacceptable. Well, yeah, do you think he keeps the job? The first punt of the game could not have been placed more perfectly. Oh, it, the, it was, it's it was, right on the sideline. The guy was lucky to catch it. It was a short it. punt, though. But you don't want to change the scoreboard. Those guys are incredibly combustible. You know, you know, he put it right. Cam Sutton got blocked out of bounds, and Roosevelt Nix missed an open field tackle when he had the sideline helping him. That's not on Jordan Barry. No, it's clear that Barry was told kick to the boundary yeah. because we don't want any part of Tyree right. Hill, but it still could be deeper. I mean, he's, he's very inconsistent in that regard. Um, but right, uh, Roosevelt Nix missed but, a tackle. And that, but the point is, so that was special teams that hurt him there. But again, where are you kicking from because you went three and out? I'm not trying to blame the offense in any. But when you start out down 21 nothing. You limit your offense. You limit the capabilities of your offense because you're right. What did James Conner have? 17 yards and eight carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the issue there. Uh, new rules or not, not every team gave up six touchdown passes yesterday. And Casey is. I mean, they're very, very good. Um, I'm not trying to say it's acceptable, but they got to be a little bit better. Maybe they give up four touchdown passes if they make two more impact plays at the right time. One more sack here, one more forced fumble or pick there. But the thing that bothered me about it, Mike, is that all that went on yesterday, Kansas City faced only five third downs. Two for five. Their completion percentage, conversion percentage is not the issue. Only five third downs. Why? Because they were only needing two plays to move the chains. Yeah. They were moving with such ease. Only five third downs they had to face because it it didn't take them three downs to gain 10 yards. Hot knife, butter. We were the butter stand. That was a butter game. And, you know, going back to the offense, uh, we've talked a little bit, and Jerry referenced it. Antonio Brown has been targeted. Let's put his behavior completely on the back burner for now and just talk about on the field. Antonio Brown has been targeted 33 times in two games. He has 18 catches, which means they are hooking up when Ben Roethlisberger tries to throw to Antonio Brown. 
they're hooking up just over half the time. Right. That ratio is not nearly good enough for those two guys. No. They have to be way better than that together. Well, Ben forces it to him occasionally. He has 160 receiving yards, which works out to 4.84 yards per target. Okay, got to be better than that. He's got one touchdown reception, and balls have been intercepted that have been thrown to him on two occasions. What's Juju's? Conversely, what is Juju's ratio? I haven't figured that out yet. Because I would posit that you know part of this is AB is being double covered, and that Ben because you have to. But he's always been. But but you got to get the ball to him, and you've always had to. So right. By the way, watching from uh, you know up in the press box on a lot of those targets, he flatly simply was not open. He just wasn't open. Sometimes he was. I mean, yeah, Ben threw it out of bounds twice on him. They missed it, but there were many times. They, when he just he just wasn't open. They had at least one more look to me, at least, as if they had at least one more miscommunication yesterday where the ball went one way and A.B. went the other. Whose fault is that? But they right. weren't. They didn't give it a chance. And, you know, some overthrows here, some not catches there. They got that's the That is the epicenter of your offense, right? Roethlisberger to Brown. That's, but sometimes, that's the best thing they got going. They got to do better than it works half the time, or a little bit better than half right. the time. But one of you the reasons, start with improving the offense, improve that. But but one of the reasons that Jesse James catches that many balls for that many yards, one of the reasons that Juju gets the attention is because of AB's presence. That's kind of how it works. Now, if that continues, teams are going to have to think about, well, maybe we shouldn't be following A.B. wherever he goes. It's a pendulum issue, mm-hmm. something you would think that he would understand that even if he's not getting the catches, he's getting the targets, if he's not getting the catches, there is a residual benefit to the rest of the team. Yeah, I don't think he's going to realize that. And, and you know, that, that brings up another topic. I remember a number of years ago, oh, it was, uh, maybe the Facebook thing, I don't remember exactly, Tomlin was asked about A.B.'s behavior, and his comment was, what do you want me to do, not play him? And I supported that until now. You think he's crossed the line? I do. I agree with Stan, but then you go back to the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick didn't play Malcolm Butler and he got his ass beat. I understand that. So what's the right answer? I I, I mean, I don't know. It'd be a lot easier if they were 2-0 going into Tampa Bay. And they, I mean, uh, to me, this is a crossroads, this game. Uh, on on Monday night, it really is. But at what point do you t- say to him, "This is not acceptable. You cannot go up to the offensive coordinator and then storm out." You know, you ought to be more concerned about the fact we lost, not about your numbers. And I realize that's an easy thing to say, and it's certainly not an easy decision. But at some point, we say, "What do you want me to do? Not play him?" At some point, the answer is. Yeah. Well, Stan, here's what I'd say to that is, number one, he left before the reporters came in, which I think is a good thing because that way he doesn't threaten anybody. So, look, you know, look at the, you know, glass half uh, full there. Uh, And the other thing I would say is the toothpaste is way out of the tube on sitting A.B. or saying we don't condone this behavior. They have already accepted this is who this guy is, and you're riding or dying with him. And that's it. And whatever you get with him. The trade-off has always been worth it in their estimation because he's such a tremendously good and tremendously clutch player. Whatever you get with them, you get. And I think the Steelers got a bad luck of the uh, a draw when they had three Super Bowl uh, superstar contending kind of guys in Lev Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, and A.B. And two of those guys are 
uncontrollable. That you cannot control him. And Lev Bell, who would ever... Do you think the Steelers thought for a second he was going to hold out 10 games? Do you think they ever envisioned no, that? I think, I think for a second they thought about it, but not much longer than that. Yeah, they didn't think that it would... It they would did draft Jalen Samuels and they brought Stephen Ridley back. So they made sure they had a number of options. They had to have St- Stephen Ridley no matter what. I would think Jalen Samuels is probably going w- would have been the one where they had a, like a little bit of a safety. Well, I think they there. were also thinking of next year, too, knowing yeah. that he definitely wouldn't be here. I, I would say there's one option here, and I don't know uh, what goes on internally, and I've always believed this. Everything rises to the coach, the head coach, but I also think that internally it might be more effective if the, and I'll use the word alleged, because I don't see much leadership in that locker room. I mm. don't. Um, I just don't. People say, I'm the leader, I'm a leader. I honestly think it might be more effective if a leader or a group of veterans who've been to war with AB went to him and said, cut it out. We've had enough. And the only reason I understand... Do we know they haven't done that? Yeah, I think they I have. don't know. I think they have. I don't know. I don't either. I'm not uh, arguing with you. I'm just, I don't know. Um, I'm, I, I, I think it's a great theory. The, uh, maybe it's happened already and it didn't work. Yeah, maybe. But I, I heard a lot of grumbling after the Jacksonville game. Things were going on. Well, saying it after the Jacksonville game doesn't help. Saying it the week of the Jacksonville game might have. And I don't know. I, I, my experience is oftentimes the most powerful message that can be delivered is from your teammates. Now, maybe it has, Mike. You know, maybe that's happened already. Uh, but I think they're at a crossroads. And I also think the one thing you might say about, you know, not Tomlin benching, suspending Brown for a week. He's done it before. He did it with Santonio Holmes he for did. different reasons. Big game. He did it with Rashard Mendenhall. Against the Giants. He did it with Martavis Bryant. Yeah. It might send him, maybe the rest of the team, not on the level of Antonio Brown, said, oh, are you getting away with all this? Maybe the important message is not to Antonio Brown, to the rest but of to the other 52. That's a great point. It's a hell of a theory. But my big fear is you'll make it way worse. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't shoot, Mongo. You'll only make him angry. I mean, that might be. I mean, he might pout the rest of the year. He might. I mean, he might. Stan Saverin, a power hour of Steeler talk here on your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DV. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show. Stan Saverin with us for a power hour of Steeler talk as he is uh, each Monday after a Steelers game. And uh, normally like to celebrate a win. They have yet to do that this season. Oh, in, well, not 0-2, oh but 0-1-1. Oh uh, winless so far, and I would say in week one, you might have pointed to the fact that they didn't have Lev Bell, and uh, the rust of uh, coming out of the preseason may have contributed to it, but I'm not so sure that missing Lev Bell played a part in losing yesterday. No, I don't think so, because the, the run game was non-existent. You know, part of that, uh, I mean, you fall behind 21 nothing, you're playing with one hand, or in this case, one arm, tied behind your back. You know, that certainly is a factor. I think one of the things that bothered me the most are in the Cleveland game, we all know the dynamics of that, uh, and it was Cleveland, and it was Tyrod Taylor, and they don't have a ton of weapons like Kansas City does. But at least against Cleveland, you didn't see guys running wide open in the secondary or you know, guys pointing at one another. It's okay, um, that's a game they obviously should have won, but okay, uh, that was a departure from what we saw last year. But yesterday, it all fell apart. 
Kansas City is a much better opponent, much better quarterback, much better wide receivers, you know, a brilliant tight end, all those kinds of things, a dangerous running back. But what I didn't like to see was guys wanting wide open. And then so we miscommunication. Um, or did they just know how to find the hole in the zone? Yeah. They got out coached badly. Throw it over the linebacker and in front of the safety. Yeah. When, you, when your linebacker's not that good underneath and your safety's still trying to figure it out. As the safety was it the walking touchdown where it looked like you know Artie Burns came running after him you know after he was already in the end zone like just not even close to covering him yeah he he got beaten badly so were they were they in a zone on that which one are you talking about because Artie gave up a couple the first one to seventeen yeah to Conley no oh no I thought it was to fourteen there was a slant Sammy Watkins a slant to seventeen where um, Artie looked like he was expecting inside help. Um, that one I, I have circled as a question mark. Some of the other ones, I mean, the one that Kelsey was over Vince Williams and in front of Sean Davis. Who, who messed that up? Did, did Williams get beat that badly underneath? Was Davis late coming over the top? I don't know. Ugh. How about Chuck on the tight end at the line of scrimmage? Yeah. Throw him off his pattern. That, try- that, I mean, could Joe, I mean, Joe, they're better with Joe Hayden, but could. Because there weren't those kinds of miscommunications in Cleveland, there certainly were apparently yesterday. Um, aside from his individual play, he's sort of a glue guy back there. I mean, I'm not saying that it would have been a whole lot better, but was that but the reason? Cam Sutton got burned right away yesterday. Yeah. He had a brutal first quarter. He had a tough game. But here's one thing to keep in mind, just a little perspective on this last year versus this year. A lot was wrong in the Cleveland game, and they were an overtime field goal away from winning it. A lot went wrong yesterday. They lost by five. Okay. Missed field goal that contributed. You get yeah. a stop at the end. Who knows? If Mahomes fumbled a snap after they got that first down, which was the one mistake he made, if you get the ball back, you may pull the game out. They're not a million miles away from winning games. They just haven't done it yet. I think they got to get now, a is that punter. A, is that a fatal flaw or a tweak here, a tweak there? Mm-hmm a play here, a play there, and it, it goes... Because that's the way it worked last year, a lot. They went 13-3, and but they were not this dominating juggernaut team that just lined up and blew everybody out of the stadium. Right. No. I think people really were uh, upset with the game yesterday because it was eerily reminiscent of the Jacksonville playoff game. Mm-hmm. You know, getting down... And let's, let's be honest. Going down early. If it wasn't for that stupid call by Orlando Skandrick... It's twenty-eight nothing, and there's no comeback. True. If that if that strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown, they go up twenty-eight nothing. Uh-uh, not happening. Right. Um, so they, you know, we talk about them being close. And that was a stu. I mean, I, I, my eyes actually, for whatever reason, drifted um, upfield, and I did see Scander grab AB. There's no question that he did it. I saw him do it. Uh, but if that doesn't, it was, you know, it's thirty yards downfield. Had nothing to do with the play. It's twenty-eight nothing. Unless maybe would have he thrown it to AB if he wasn't getting held before he got sacked, stripped, and I don't know the pressure. I thought the pressure was pretty intense. But I mean, the way it went all day long. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows if if he hits him or not? I think people are the Jacksonville. The memories of that are still very fresh. You know, they booed them early. Um, I think from a mathematical well, they standpoint, booed them a lot. Yeah, they did. And both sides got it. The offense got it because they were yeah. 0 for 9. Uh, and Well, see, that's what I worried about Feekner there because, you know, 
it wasn't until Ben took control and went no huddle that they really started doing stuff. And I'm not so sure how much Randy Feekner's input has been. Uh, well, I think helping. ultimately, I'm, I'm sure there was a conversation. But ultimately, that is the offensive coordinator's call, and I think he certainly the be, personnel on the field is right. Yeah, when, that's when, a, yeah, exactly. It's not when he's no taking huddle. running backs out, and he's running four wides and a tight end. He's saying, "Go get them, seven. One of the things that I, I made a note of when they're down and uh, three and out, three and out, three and out. This is going to be the first real test for Randy Feekner because it's not all about the game plan. Sometimes plans of mice and men sometimes go awry. You have to adjust. And I do think he gets high marks for, as Mike said, he goes empty set. He goes four wides with Switzer in there and who actually serves sort of a function of a little bit of a running back yeah. in there too. Um, and, and, and one tight end, either it was McDonald or it was Jesse James. So he said, okay, we're, we're going to this. And it, it, I, thought that was a, I thought that was a positive. Mathematically, when you look at the standings, they're not in bad shape. Uh, Cincinnati's going to always have to prove to me that they're not the Bungles. I agree. You know, sooner or later, I don't think Baltimore's that good. Cleveland, you know, they lost a the game that they, they should have won. Um, so from that standpoint, but some of the elements that have led the Steelers to be 0-1-1 are worrisome. We all talked about the defense. Um, is the defense better? No, it's not to this point. Uh, whether or not the defense as a whole gets better, we know that they do not have interior linebackers, in my view, that are winning interior linebackers. Uh, and is, is that going to change? Are we going to see the new, quote, new defense with dollar. Morgan Burnett and Terrell Edmonds? A dollar. If you don't have inside linebackers, play safeties. That's what they were... That was the that was the idea. That's what they were telling us by their actions, right? To, and to cover up the fact that they don't have good inside linebackers. Haven't seen them all healthy on the field yet. Stan Saverin with a power hour of Steeler talk here this morning. Stan, who's on your show later? Well, we'll be talking to uh, Tunch, um, uh, and I'll be talking a lot about the Steelers, uh, a lot about the Antonio Brown situation. I tend to, you know, ignore those things, uh, but I don't think it can be ignored anymore. Um, we may have another uh, surprise guest. Michael McHenry is going to join us uh, during the second hour. You know, do a, a season-ending wrap on the Pirates, position by position. Back to five hundred, by the way. Yeah, I, I said they'd win 78. I'm looking bad. 74 and 74. And Kansas City is here. Make some hay. Last home stand of the year, three with uh, the Royals and then three with Milwaukee over Milwaukee. the weekend. How many more starts does uh, Archer have? Uh, you got, what, 14 know. games left? So he's probably got three more. Trevor two, Williams two got three. back to the I'm not giving up any runs thing yesterday. Yeah. I'd like to see Archer get a couple nice starts to end the season. Yeah. So would Neil Huntington. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Based on the way things look right now. So we'll be talking about that, and mostly about the Steelers. I did want to mention, um, they. I, I think that the uh, engineering people fed the hamsters more lettuce uh, for the 106.3 signal. Yeah. Um, because they're running faster and the wheel spins, and it's really an improved signal. I checked it out. Uh, mostly in Allegheny County, so if you have... Issues with 970, try 106.3 FM. 106.3 FM, 970 AM, ESPN Radio, Stan Savern. Thanks to Stan, thanks to Tim Benz, thanks to Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette and Adam Crowley from the aforementioned ESPN 970 AM. And tomorrow on the show, Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore. Also Charlie Batch in studio, Cam Hayward at 845, and Billy Gardell returns 
Chalk Talk tonight on DVE from 7 to 8, featuring James Conner and Craig Wolfley from the Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson. It's only two weeks, folks. They got 14 more Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays to make this not matter. But will they, Mike? Will A.B. come down from his emotional tirade? Will Lev Bell ever come back? Will the defense stop somebody for once? (laughs) Will Jordan Berry start to not suck? Is Boswell going mad? Does he got the yips? All of these questions and more will be answered in week three. As the Steelers move to Monday Night Football. As they take on Fitzmagic and the Bucks, Dude's been on fire. I haven't watched any uh, video yet, but I'm not buying that as of now. I don't know if his post game was uh, any indication. This is one confident. If I was a struggling quarterback, team, huh? If I was a struggling team and I needed a W and I had a choice of quarterbacks to pick from that I would oppose, he'd be on the short list. You're probably over his head, but you know what? They do have some weapons, and they do have some Mike Evans, and you know they do have uh, some weapons. And let's remember, it's against the Steeler defense that mitigates he's about to fall off a cliff. Theory, <laughs> I've seen him stink before. And it's on to week three. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants, Ronald? Ah! Mm-hmm.